Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn move related show on the planet Earth, the John Campion Show, coming from right here on my YouTube channel. I am, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV, streaming, all sorts of good stuff. And joining me here today, sitting right over here, is Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Robert, how are you doing today, sir? John, it is another fine day in June. I'm looking forward to continuing on. I mean, we got a lot of good stuff this week. We got the end of Kenobi. We got Herogasm. We got a new episode of Ms. Marvel tonight. Stranger Things trailer. A lot of good stuff to talk about here today. Sitting right beside him is, of course, our own ray of sunshine. Aww. Chris Carr is here. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm so excited for Umbrella Academy. That is what I can't oh, wait to binge. Oh, I'm so stoked for that. Oh. How can is that, that be off our radar? I love that show. We've got so much stuff going on. I think that it's just like, this is sneaking in. You know, it's funny. I went back and I literally over the weekend, I have um, uh, these ultimate editions of the Umbrella Academy mm -hmm. and I hadn't read them and I I forgot how good that comic actually is. Oh, they're is. great. Gerard Way's really brilliant. Good. And the adaptation for it has been so good. So good. Absolutely fantastic. And we, we talked about it before, but the executive producer of the show plays in our Star Wars role-playing game yeah. group. So like, I'm always trying not to, and I make it a point, I make it a rule, never ask him about Umbrella Academy. Never ask him about oh. Umbrella Academy. Even though all I want to do is ask him about Umbrella Academy all the time. And it, this season's, gonna, I think, going to be great. <laughs> well, the trailers and everything have been fantastic for it, so I can't wait. Anyway, yeah. guys... We also can't wait to get going on today's show, and here's how today's show is going to go. We're going to break it down into two parts. In the first half of the show, we're going to talk about some predetermined topics. Then in the second half of the show, we're going to take your live comments and questions. How do you get a live comment or question on? Well, number one, you got to be watching live. Number two, when we get to the end of our main topics, we are going to announce that we're opening up the Super Chats. We only leave them open for a couple of minutes because they fill up fast. So if you have a comment, question, thought, opinion, theory that you want to fire in and have us read off, make sure you got them ready to go when we get to the end of the main topics. Also, a little bit of housekeeping. If you need your daily fix of the John Campia Show, but you can't be in front of a YouTube video, maybe you're jogging or you're on a commute or something, good news there's an audio-only version simply called the John Campy Show Podcast. Go on your favorite podcasting app of choice and subscribe to it today. Also, there is a separate podcast feed just for our mailbag show, so you can go and find that as well. All right, guys. With that all down, I want to make one more, more announcement. For those of you guys who are channel members, first of all, thank you so much for being channel members. But at 3.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, that's Los Angeles time today, I will be doing a live stream for our channel members, it's a town hall for our channel members. If you're a director or producer level uh, or above, make sure you guys tune in and come and join us for that. And we look forward to seeing you there. Okay, guys, with that all down, let's get into a couple of off the tops here, shall we? And our first one is this. Rob, you mentioned a little bit earlier that tonight is the finale of Obi-Wan. It feels like it just started. Uh, doesn't it? Yep. And quite frankly... It doesn't feel like it could finish fast enough. Um, I'm I'm actually ready to move on from Obi-Wan. Um, I have not hated the show. I think there was one episode I hated. Uh, a couple that I thought were okay, including last week's. I thought it was okay. Yeah. And in one, the first episode was fantastic, I thought. I, I'm like you. I, I thought it started very, very strong. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of left it wanting. But they have the opportunity tonight to finish out with a bang. Now, I've heard a lot of different rumors, some saying that it's going to be an hour and a half long episode. I, I don't know that I believe that. I hope that's true. I've heard some people say it's going to be 50 minutes, which whatever. But I thought we would take a minute here before we go into it and give our last predictions about 
Obi-Wan, the finale tonight. So I've got a couple of predictions here. A couple of very, very safe ones. One's going to be a little bit out there. And then I want to hear your guys' final predictions. So here's a couple of safe ones for my Obi-Wan predictions tonight. Number one, Qui-Gon's force, <coughs> force ghost will show up. They've done far too much setting up of it. If they don't, I'm going to be really pissed that they did such a bait and switch in this thing. They constantly refer to Qui-Gon. The whole opening of the show with previously in Star Wars, you know, say, a training I have for you to, to, to commune with Obi-Wan yeah. or with uh, Qui-Gon. If they go, go through all that and he doesn't show up, that's going to be a huge bait and switch. So I do believe we're going to see Liam Neeson's, the Liam Neeson's, will be appearing tonight as Qui-Gon Jinn as Force Ghost. All right. That's prediction number one. Production number two, and this is a safe one. We are going to see another duel between Vader and Obi-Wan on Mustafar. I think that'll be back on Mustafar again. Now, the reason this is a pretty safe one, Jonathan, if you got that web page I sent you, let's bring that up for a second. Sure. The reason this is a pretty safe one is because if you scroll down a little bit, there is a poster uh, that's kind of come out for a little bit below that. So keep scrolling down. And keep going. There we go. <laughs> it's, so there's that. But also, if you scroll down even further, uh, past the next picture, so past that one, keep going, right here. This was a piece of concept art that came out during that Disney D23 day they did that streaming <laughs> right. of when they didn't actually show us any footage. But clearly, this is not the fight that we already saw, right? So <clears throat> I think it's pretty cool. Plus, Kathleen Kennedy's, Kennedy said, get ready for the rematch of the century during that event. That first fight was not the rematch of the century. No. By any stretch of the imagination. So prediction number one, we're going to see Liam Neeson appear as, as Force Ghost. Prediction number two, again, a very, very safe one. We're going to see Obi-Wan and Vader face each other again, and it's going to be on Mustafar. Prediction number three. This is the one that's out there. May or may not end up being true, but I'm going to go with this. Vader is going to find out about Luke. I think Vader is going to find out about Luke and they, they, they are going to say moving forward that knowing about it, he always decided to keep that a secret from the Emperor until the events of A New Hope and it couldn't be kept a secret from the Emperor anymore. I'm not saying they should do that. I'm not saying that's a good idea. Wow, dude. But I think they are. He's, going to, he's not going to find out about Leia, but I think he's going to find out about Luke. Okay, wait a minute. Let me ask you if that happens. How okay. are you going to feel about it? It depends on how it's executed to be honest with you. Like, again, if I was sitting in a writer's room with them, and I'm clearly not, and that idea came up to have him discover about the truth about Luke, only to decide to keep it to himself and away from the emperor and all that kind of stuff for all these years, I would say bad idea initially. I would say bad idea. But if they go through with it, it will really depend on how it's all executed because then you've got other things you got to explain. You're going to have to then explain <clears throat> why does he spend the next 15 years not going to Tatooine to get a son? Um, why, how indeed does he keep it a secret from the from Palpatine? You know, there's a lot of questions going to be answered. And if in their execution of it, they address those questions, I'll, I might be okay with it. But again, this is just a wild prediction on my part. So there it is. Two safe ones. Qui-Gon, okay. duel on Mustafar. A little bit out there that Vader will find out about Luke. So, Rob, 
We got Obi-Wan finale tonight. What's your final prediction? Okay, see, now I'm roll, rolling this over my head because I'm playing Empire out. The Empire says we are the Emperor. And by the way, my memory of Empire Strikes Back is with Clive Revel as the Emperor, not Palpatine, not, not Ian McDermott. As right. The, we have a new enemy, Luke Skywalker. The Emperor says that to Vader. Right. I have felt it, you know. I'll buy that. I'll buy it because if really, you, I, I, because I, you know, because if you really think about it, so the emperor himself is telling Vader something he's been keeping a secret. Now he can't keep it a secret anymore, and that's why Vader is hell bent on going to Cloud City and confronting Luke. Now he's been waiting; he's been biding his time to go get his son to take over the galaxy, and together we will rule as father and son. I kind of like that actually. <laughs> People are going to go crazy. You know, but does it break canon? No, because he has him search his feelings to be like, I'm your dad. You know that, right? Right. Yeah. So that I, the first time he's around him, he's like, I got that Jedi vibe that you are my son. I or think. or do they do a flash forward in sequence where he's like, it's fast forwards after the after the first Death Star blows up and they're having their debrief. So uh, our Imperial Network has discovered that the pilot who shot uh, the, the killing blow was a pilot by the name of Luke Skywalker. Excuse me? What would you say that name was? But I mean, I, I, I don't know. So, okay. So other than my one prediction, you got any other predictions for tonight? Well, I think Princess Leia is going to get home to Alderaan. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty good one. Um, I, I would say that. Now, what about Reva? Does Reva die? Or does Reva move on because they want to do a new... I, I, I mean, I think that... I th here's what I think happens. I think somehow Reva has some kind of redemption and goes off on her own. She's now persona non grata as an inquisitor or she's cast out yeah i think she's dead she's i don't think she's dead yet yeah, I, but i think by the end of the episode yeah she's dead i don't think she's gonna die though i think they might want to spin her off oh i don't think so you think vader's gonna kill her i don't know if vader kills her or she just dies of her wounds or or what what have you but yeah i i don't think she's long for this for this galaxy anyway chris mm -hmm. let's go over to you we got our finale tonight do you have any final big bold predictions for tonight well there has to be something with that last fight between obi-wan and vader because does vader just let him live out his life on the same planet as his son i don't think that's possible so either he has to think obi-wan's dead obi-wan's gonna have to fake his death or something because i just don't see Little Orphan Annie being like, nah, it's cool, you're fine. You get to just walk this one off. Did you just say Little Orphan Annie? I did. I like that. And it just, I keep having some issues with some of the lines from the previous films, right? So the last time I saw you, I was the learner. So this last battle then, does that imply that Vader takes a loss and walks it off? Or, or is he just talking about like back in the day when they were training to, with each other? You know, when he says that in A New Hope. I don't understand why that line's there now. And I also feel like they're going to do some weird, like, Professor X, Moira McTaggart, like, brain wipe on Leia to be like, you never met Ben, shush. Yeah. I don't I know. I feel like there's just a lot of messes they have to clean up. I have not been super into this show. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, no, I, 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 I look, I, I'm going to call this. You, you know I was very, very excited for this show. Yeah. Like, I was very pumped for this show. And Me too. The first episode killed it. I thought the second episode was okay. Then they had a real crappy... Anyway, I, I think tonight, if they really nail the landing, I feel like I say this a lot about a lot of Disney Plus shows, to be honest. 
But the reality is it's come to the point where they need to really stick this landing. Mm -hmm. For us to move forward from Obi-Wan to look back on it fondly, I think they absolutely have to crush this ending. And I don't have the highest hopes they will, but I'll go in with a, with a lot of cross fingers. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about that? Do you have any big, bold predictions for how the finale of Obi-Wan is going to play out tonight? Got any thoughts about some of the theories that we had? Whatever your thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and leave those thoughts there. Okay, guys, with that down, let's do another off the top, and that is this. One of the, <clears throat> pardon me, big, pleasant surprises for me uh, this last month or so has been Stranger Things Season 4. I am not the biggest Stranger Things fan. I enjoy the show. I like it. I actually like Season 3 more than a lot of people did. But I, I'm not like a huge raving fan of Stranger Things. But I, was, I look forward to it. And Season 4 came out. I was a little late to the party on it. I am now all caught up. This is the best this show's been. And in my opinion, season four is the best this show has been so far. I have been just the, the depth of the narrative, how they're connecting all the different pieces, the, the evolution and the, the literal physical growth of these kids as they've grown up before our eyes, apparently never bothering to change their hairstyles. But still, uh, Wolfhard's, Wolfhard's got to do got a perm. Nancy, yeah, Nancy's doing a little bit yeah. there. By the way, not digging the rekindling of the flame between Nancy and... Her and Steve. Yeah, yeah. not digging that I at want all. Steve to find love. I just don't necessarily want it with her. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Completely agree. Anyway, that's well, that's our own little <laughs> chat for later. Uh, loving it. Anyway, we've got two more episodes. Four hours. By the way, I just want to point out that the final two episodes of Stranger Things Season 4 are going to be longer than the series of Obi-Wan. Just wanted to throw that out there. Hey, just a little something, something. The final I'm, two episodes of I'm Stranger Things. That's making a really uh, well-done narrative. That's so interesting. Yeah, mm. you go figure. Um, just, just thought I'd throw that out there. But they put out their trailer today for that for the final two episodes, both of which are going to be feature-length film lengths. When I first saw Vecna, I thought, lame. Really? It's just another burnt skin guy. It's like, oh, now I'm the boogeyman in the shadows. Blah, blah, blah. Right? Lame. The way they have evolved this show, though, it's the best, most compelling antagonist they've had so far. Um, the big reveal, I won't say what it is in case you haven't seen it yet. The big reveal of the identity of Vecna made logical sense, yet was a big surprise to a number of people. Um, they've done that great. And now that we're heading into this finale and you know we're heading towards a Seven and Vecna confrontation, it's going to be Luke, it's going to be Vader Obi-Wan on Mustafar, only probably better. Um, I thought the trailer was great. Again, they are leaning heavily into that song. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. And so they should. Kate Bush is awesome. So they should I'm lean glad, into that song. I'm glad people are learning about Kate Bush. Jonathan's been trying to get his kids to know about Kate Bush for ages. <laughs> All it took was Stranger Things to do it once. It's like, Dad, have you heard about Kate Bush? Yeah. No, never heard of her. Uh, anyway, Chris, you had a chance to see this trailer mm -hmm. for, for volume two, the final two episodes. What did you think of it? Oh, man, I'm so excited about this. I mean, Murray's got a flamethrower. Eddie is shredding <laughs> in the Upside Down, which because Eddie's going to have an epic, big musical moment in the Upside Down and wants to be a rocker, I was like, oh, no, my baby is going to get killed. No, I don't think there's long for him in this world. No, he's not going to die. You don't think so? No. I hope he doesn't. I would no. be very, very sad. No, he's too good of a character. He's such a great character. But that's the thing, right? You want to kill somebody off narratively who it's going to hurt everybody the most. 
That's why when we all thought Hopper was dead, we were like, no, daddy. So he's too Eddie. good. I love Eddie, though. But I think everything in this is great. Obviously, Nancy comes out of the upside down because of this trailer. Right. But she looks like she's haggard. She looks like she's seen some shit. <laughs> I am so pumped to see where this goes. And I love that we're learning that this probably isn't going to tie up nicely like the other seasons where it's, oh, well, at the end, we'll show you something a little spooky. It sounds like there's going to be real world consequences and they're going to have a lot of losses this season. Rob, you had a chance to check out this trailer. What, what have you thought about the season so far? And well, what does this trailer make you look forward to? Like you, I think the season's great. I, I, I've really loved, uh, first of all, the production uh, values of this show is oh, tremendous. Notch, I mean, yeah. they, you know, when, when they show scenes in school, they've got like 400 extras. <laughs> you know, I, I, I've really enjoyed, you, you know, what's really interesting to me when you meet Eddie and, and he, he kind of comes off as a douche when you first meet him, like when he's in the, but then you, he endears himself. He suddenly becomes a fugitive and like he's painted as, as this satanic worshiping D and D player. And that I, scene with Chrissy, oh. you're immediately just like, oh, he's charming AF. Yeah, I want to them to hook up right totally. now. That's Did anybody what, else get mean? breakfast club uh, vibes from that scene, by the way? Absolutely. Totally. Total. Mm -hmm. Dude, Very that's exactly what it was. And, and, also, I have to say that first death when she oh, it's heartbreaking. That, that, that truly oh. that truly set the tone for because one of the things that I've always loved about this show is the upside down is truly terrifying. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's a really scary realm, and it, I, I love it. You know, I love it, and I, I I never felt like season one. I really liked season two was kind of a repeat of season one. I like season three like you did more than two, but this is by far. The best season, and I think it's also because it didn't have to do the heavy lifting of 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 introducing us to these characters. We already like them, so they didn't have to spend a lot of time letting us get to know them. We already knew them, so so we could see where they are and they could play with those characters. So they had that, but it was just it's been so great. But like you said, I think they're going to end this season with the upside down finally breaking into our world. Ooh. That's going to be the. I think that's my prediction Dang. is that because the, the upside down is too great a threat to like, let's just close the door again, you know, both between and on either side of the world and the, in Russia and in, and you got to think that Hopper's going to, they got to meet in the upside down and fight together. You know, Hopper's got to go in. I mean, oh, find 11. And uh, they're yeah. all going to reunite. Some, but in yeah. the upside, I mean, the final confrontation, because they always it's always like, well, we're not we're not going to get there. It's going to happen inside. That's what I want. Ooh, mm -hmm. You know, none of this mind flares coming to get us. No, we're going into the we're going to hell. That's what we're doing. They're going to hell. I we're going to take the fight to them. Yeah, man. I can't wait. <laughs> anyway, guys, question is for you. Have you had a chance to see the new trailer for Stranger Things season four? Volume two. If so, what did you think of it? What have you thought about the season so far? How do you feel about the final two episodes being longer than the entire series of Obi-Wan? Whatever you guys think, <laughs> jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that all down, before we get into our final off the top, we're going to take a second and thank one of the sponsors of our show today. I've used them a lot in different editorial videos, my own documentary, the good folks at Storyblocks. We want to take a moment and thank the sponsor of today's video, Storyblocks. Guys, I have been an enthusiastic fan and user of Storyblocks 
for years. I go to them whenever I'm in need of content creation assets like royalty-free music, video clips, or templates for my creative projects, ranging anywhere from little editorial videos to my very own full feature documentary. Storyblocks helps you bring your stories, videos, and projects to life without sacrifices due to time, budget, or access to resources. They have over 1 million different story assets ranging from stock videos, audio and music, an in-browser video editor, and they feature pre-designed templates, animations, and outros. Storyblocks uses an affordable subscription model and their unlimited access plans offers, well, unlimited video and audio downloads rather than a costly pay-per-clip model. With Storyblocks, you'll be able to create more content and more importantly, better content, all while using a subscription plan that fits your budget, utilizing unlimited downloads of demand-driven and diverse content. So if you're interested in upping your content creation game, head over to www.storyblocks.com slash campia and get started today. That's www.storyblocks.com slash campia. And a big thank you to our friends at Storyblocks for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. Okay, guys, with that down, let's do one more off the top, and that is this. Now, I am a, contrary to the, I know it's the big popular thing right now, is like, oh, Sony doesn't do good stuff. I'm a big fan of what Sony's been doing. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is one of the best comic book films of the past five years, I think. I, I absolutely loved it. I got a big kick. I don't fuck everybody else. I don't care what anybody else says. I love the Venom movies. I have a lot of fun with the Venom movies. I was so looking forward to Morbius. It was one of my most anticipated film of the years. Yeah, not everything can work out the way we want. And well, Morbius well. was Morbius. So it is what it is. <laughs> But I got real excited when I found out they were doing a Craven the Hunter movie. And then I got even more excited when I found out that Aaron Taylor Johnson was going to be playing the role. I love Aaron Taylor Johnson. And it's not just from Kick-Ass or it's not just because he was Quicksilver. Um, he's got that one. It's not called Heathens. What's it called again? Savages. Savages. Mm -hmm. with, with That's based on a Don Winslow novel that Oliver Stone directed. Yep. And he did that one with Blake Lively and Taylor Kitsch. Yep. Mm -hmm. I actually really like the performances and all that. I and didn't the, like the third Selma act. Hayek, John Travolta. I love that it's movie. It's a great film. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not huge on the third act, but mm -hmm. I, I love that thing a lot. He looks so good in Bullet Train. Yeah. I mean, he just looks absolutely fantastic in Bullet Train. And I'm really excited to see him play Craven the Hunter. And it's going to be interesting to see where they're going. Now, we also know that comic book movies are never exactly like the comics themselves, unless you're talking about Sin City or something like that. But, you know, Days of Future Past is nothing like the Days of Future Past comics. Civil War was very unlike the Civil War comic books. It, it, it just, it's like that, right? So we always expect there to be differences. You need to take creative liberties. But there was an interesting interview that Aaron, Aaron Taylor Johnson just did. I think he was promoting Bullet Train at the time. And they asked him about Craven the Hunter. And, and he said this. He said, during a chat with Variety, Aaron Taylor Johnson spoke about his time as the character and revealed that the film recently wrapped production after shooting entirely on location. While describing the role, Johnson said that Craven is, quote, one of Marvel's most iconic, notorious antiheroes, Spider-Man's number one rival. He went on to say that he is, quote-unquote, not an alien or wizard. He's just a hunter, a human with conviction. It's the next description that is throwing some fans, um, as Johnson confirmed that in the movie, Craven is, quote, an animal lover and a protector of the natural world. This character trait alone goes directly against the central core of the character, as depicted in the comic books. All right. This is interesting. Because on the one hand, 
it says he is a hunter. Aaron Taylor Johnson saying he is a hunter. On the other hand, he says, and he's an animal lover. Like that sounds right along the lines of I'm a vegan past the beef, right? It, it, <laughs> the two st statements that don't really seem to jive together. So, Rob, you and I were talking a little bit before the show started. The only way in my head initially that <laughs> I can see those two statements that Aaron Taylor Johnson makes, he is a hunter and he loves the animals and he protects her of the natural world. Okay, follow it here. Sometimes hunting is permitted in certain areas to protect the ecological system that they've got going on, right? Like, for example, if there are too many deer in an area, they're going to overgraze and it's going to starve out all the deer. Therefore, they need hunters to go in and take out some deer for the sake of balancing the ecosystem in there. If too many predators are in an area, that could, number one, eliminate all the other animal species mm -hmm. and then make the predator race starve. So hunters are allowed to go in and take out some of those predators. So my thought here is, is that maybe what Aaron Taylor Johnson is referring to is that, yeah, he believes he protects the natural world and he protects the natural world by doing some very key strategic hunting. Maybe when there's unnatural predators get introduced into an environment, he's the only, maybe like a symbiote. Venom, Carnage sees it as his duty to protect the natural balance of the world, that I need to go hunt that and take that thing out. Again, I'm making all this up in my head, just basically trying to kind of equate what it is that Aaron Taylor Johnson, on the one hand, super hunter, on the other hand, lover of the natural world. So I'm just trying to equate that in my own head. Anyway, Rob, you hear these comments. Number one, where have your thoughts been about a Craven the Hunter movie in general, Aaron Taylor Johnson being attached? And then what do you make of these comments Aaron Taylor Johnson just made? Well, I really love Aaron Taylor Johnson and I love Craven. You know, I like Craven's Last Hunt's one of my favorite Spider-Man storylines. And I was really, really looking forward to this. It, until I saw Morbius. Because here's the thing. I understand that they're trying to maybe build the Sinister Six or whatever they're trying to do in the long run. But Morbius, to me, seemed very reminiscent of David Ayer's Suicide Squad when I saw it. Now, a lot of people like Suicide Squad. When I saw the movie, I thought it was an incoherent mess. And you could tell, as we found out later, that the studio re-edited it. They brought in a trailer company to recut it. I felt that way about Morbius. I felt like they made this vampire movie. <laughs> and they were like... This is, we, we can't get, it's got, this is an R-rated movie we've made. We've made, you guys made an R-rated movie. It can't be R-rated, so we got to tone it down. No real red blood. You know, we'll, we'll change it around. And and that's what, that's what Morbius felt like to me. And Craven the Hunter, he's a pretty edgy character. And now they're trying to, like, soften him up. Like, he's, a, he's, he's ecologically minded. You know, he only hunts when he's helping the natural order. Like, we have to keep the balance of the population now, there. Now, to be fair... We've seen a lot of very vicious villains in fiction over the years whose baseline motivation is protection of the environment. Sure, that, that kind of no, stuff, that's right? true. I mean, that is absolutely true. And and that is that's actually a very good point. But these guys are supposed to be villains. You know, and Craven the Hunter is a in a, in the Spider-Man realm is a very dangerous villain to Spider-Man. You know, and Craven wants to bag Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. He wants to kill him. Mm -hmm. You know, to prove how good he is. 
So it's like when you, you know, they want to soft pedal these, these villainous characters or these call them evil, call them what you want. It's almost like, and same, even with Venom, like I, I agree with you. There's a, there's certain fun to be had from those movies, but again, and, and there are miniseries like Venom Lethal Protector, but are what are these characters? Are you setting these characters up to be Spider-Man villains? Or do you want us to, are they all supposed to be lovable, charming, misunderstood rogues? I mean, I, I, I find that these characters are kind of being neutered. I mean, why not go full-on bad guy? Like that's, you can't make that's a, a lion's him. face that he sliced open and put made into a vest. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I mean that's yeah. That, that was a line that was over hunting things, though. That that, that, that line that was, was bad for the that environment. That was a naughty lion. That <laughs> was scar. Lion. That was scar from the Lion King, and that's he needs right. to be taken out. I, I mean, this is. I guess. I guess. I know they can't. Uh, look, I would love to see a movie about a full-on villain. You know, because the villains don't believe they are. And maybe that's what maybe that's the direction they're going with this. Maybe you're going to see somebody who's really philosophical and he's is the world's greatest hunter and and he you know man is the most dangerous game. I don't know, but look, I will reserve judgment as I always do until I see it. Oh, by the way, just, another, just going back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier, Thanos himself was basically an environmentalist yeah. thing, yes. right? Like, uh -huh. yes, to protect the universe, I've got to eliminate half the life in it. Yeah. To protect the universe, I, I don't know. And well, maybe I mean, that's another good point. I mean, they did say, too, I mean, when they launched the whole Craven project, they said, they they'd always described him as an anti-hero. They always described mm -hmm. him as an anti -hero. So we always knew that was going to be the direction they were going to go, right? So whether or not they do it well or not, do they do it Venom well or do they do it Morbius badly? And so that's going to be the question. <laughs> anyway, Chris, you hearing about all this? Yeah. What are your thoughts on Craven right now? Well, it, it does feel like they're jumping the gun with his storyline, right? Because in the Unbeatable Squirrel Girl's friend Craven, <laughs> she helps convince him like, hey, Spider-Man is not the enemy you think he is. This is not the worst thing in the MCU. There are so many other things because he vows to only hunt the hunters. Right. But this feels like that's a ABC step away from here, right? We still need to meet Craven the Hunter. And maybe he is a whole like snout to tail kind of hunter, right? Of just, we use the whole animal. We respect the animal. We thank the animal for its service. Maybe that's what we're going to get in here. But it does feel like we are just going a few steps over in the character's arc. And I say that without having seen the film, just based on this quote. Because if you are going to have a more animal-friendly hunter, I don't know how you execute that without this other kind of storyline of, of Squirrel Girl coming in. So you need to find Squirrel Girl. <laughs> and I don't know where you could find her. <laughs> Here, here's a question. <clears throat> We've joked in the past. Well, not joke, we're dead serious. Craven the Hunter seeing a news clip of Venom in the city and thinking... That. Yeah, I need mm -hmm. to go get that. Uh, that would be awesome. But okay, let's say it's not going to be Venom. Forgetting the Paul Giamatti rhino. <laughs> Why would you want yeah, to? Yeah. Best iteration ever. Best, best thing ever. <laughs> so good. Um, by the way, Academy Award winner, Paul yeah. Giamatti's rhino. What, what would be another Spider-Man rogues gallery character? That could be somebody in a Craven movie that can't comes across Craven's radar that Craven says, I need to go hunt that. Or that is unnatural to my world, or that is damaging my precious hunting ground, or whatever. What would be another character? I mean, a, a different iteration of Rhino, maybe. Or Lizard. A different iteration. Lizard. Yeah. Connor. Scorpion, if you do that a little differently. Oh, Scorpion wouldn't be a bad mm -hmm. one either. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. Anyway, question is for you guys. 
What do you think about this? Craven the Hunter is just trying to protect Bambi, damn it. Uh, but he's going to be Hunter at the same time. <laughs> Love the dichotomy. Whatever you guys think about this, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down, let's now move into our main topics here today. And how do we select our main topics here on the show? Well, it's really easy. You guys come up with them. Whenever you come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel we need to cover as a main topic here on the show, just go anytime 24-7 over to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on The John Campia Show. With that down, Chris, what is our first main topic today? Topic number one is coming from Box Office Fan. Many don't like AMC CEO Adam Aaron. Aaron no. Choices like giving himself a raise when people were laid off, and he's the one who killed the movie window to 14 weeks. Well, looks like AMC stockholders are not happy also, and have voted to reject his 18.9 million compensation package, and from the sound, are not happy with how he's been running AMC. So how will this fare for Aaron's future with AMC and his future choices? John, this is your best friend in the world. How do you feel? Oh, my buddy Aaron. Yeah. But look, I'll just, just to be clear, to be open and transparent, <laughs> I think Adam Aaron's a clown. I think he's an incompetent, like, ass-backwards clown. Um, I, I, number one, now, he was not CEO of AMC when I was there. Mm-hmm. But... I initially got very, very turned off with this guy, as a lot of people did, when in the midst of the pandemic and they laid off, what, 30,000 employees? I think the number's around 30,000 employees. They laid off 30,000 employees, and to celebrate taking away the jobs of 30,000 people in the pandemic, Adam Aaron gave himself a $9 million bonus. Now, those who will want to rush to his defense will say, well, well, wait a minute, it was the board that gave him his, uh, he's the CEO and his reward for laying off 30,000 people was to take a $9 million bonus when AMC was on the brink of bankruptcy. A real leader, like say a Tom Brady, what he does is he goes to his team and he says, you know what, I'll defer my salary. Keep the money. Use that money instead to go out and get more talent so we can build a championship team and go win titles. Did he do that? He did that. He did that for years. That's what a leader does. Adam Aaron is an asshat. <laughs> so after doing that, where I truly began to loathe this individual, and for all I know, Adam Aaron is a super nice guy away from the corporate office. For all I know, he's like the nicest guy in the world. I don't know. Never met Adam Aaron. I nearly yelled at him on stage at a cinema, a cinema con once. But what really burned me was when at CinemaCon, <clears throat> this is where I nearly got myself thrown out. Not this past one, but the previous one. Adam Aaron got on stage and smugly talked about how we had our critics saying we weren't going to make it, but I navigated us through those choppy waters and we're here and stronger than ever. And I'm like, you piece of shit. The only reason AMC still has the lights turned on is because of a meme stock that took a $2 AMC stock and drove it to what, 70 bucks or whatever it was. To which then Adam Aaron and a bunch of AMC executives sold crap loads of their stocks to make personal gains and riches out of it. And then they did the right thing. They said, hey, our stock is super high now because of a meme stock. 
Let's sell more of the stock and raise the money. And it did. It saved the company. But this is a guy who took a $9 million bonus for laying out 30,000 people and then stood there on a stage in front of the industry and took credit for a meme stock that was completely outside of his control. And I cannot believe that I am the only person in the world who recognizes that this guy's a buffoon. <laughs> and I'm not, we're not even covering the dozen other stupid things this guy has done. I'm not AMC's favorite patron right now <laughs> even though they are the theater i still go to but i'm not their big patron yeah right let's not forget their introduction at CinemaCon to him i could see you were cheering standing up remember when they called him the beast well of, yeah they, they the told Dwayne Rock johnson that says his name is his nickname's the beast or yep. something like that and then i could see john's like hair just like on his arms just start sticking up and <laughs> he, he turned into a tomato he became an amc theater at that moment <laughs> so yeah, i was like i the very first thing that i thought of when we were sitting there and i was like please don't tell me they're introducing some guy that john doesn't like well, there's only one guy there. Don't yeah, 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 no, I mean, there could have been JPEG. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it could have been but, but, JPEG, I like, suppose. And they put the spotlight on him, and they called him Well, yeah, the but beast. then they did that for every single CEO of all the different theater right. chains that were there. And he was sitting there, like, not even, like, standing up. He, he was sitting there by himself. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there was no one around him. He didn't have an entourage. <laughs> yeah, here's, here's the thing, too. No. Like, every, every day when they would, like, call out Regal's CEO... I keep forgetting his name. He's got a really cool, like, baseball-sounding name. Uh, oh, yeah. Bubba or something. I can't remember yeah. what it was. But every time his name would get called, you could hear all the Regal employees in the place swoop and scream yeah. and go, yeah! Uh, yeah! Whenever Adam Aaron get mentioned, <laughs> oh, yeah. Crickets. Like, yeah, no. It, <laughs> was so uh, sad. Yeah. But anyway, this gets us onto the story here. So, the budget has now been made, right? And they have symbolically taken it to the shareholders to allow the shareholders to vote on the budget. And one of the items on the budget was the $18 million salary for, you know, incompetent Larry there sitting in the corporate offices in Leewood, Kansas. And the shareholders said, fuck no. This comes to us from the folks over at uh, Deadline who wrote the following. AMC Entertainment shareholders have sent a message to the company's CEO, Adam Aaron, by voting decisively to reject his compensation package. In an SEC filing, the company said the vote yesterday at the company shareholders meeting was conducted, quote unquote, on a non-binding advisory basis, meaning it doesn't compel AMC to take any action. Aaron's total pay fell, fell to $18.9 million in 2021 from $20.9 million in 2020. Given a chance to weigh in on the compensation of Aaron and his C-suite colleagues, however, the shareholders of 86.9 million shares voted against his compensation package with 52.1 million voting in favor and 55.9 abstaining. By an overwhelming majority, the AMC shareholders said, F you. No. You did not guide us out of the peril we were in as a result of the pandemic. You did not save this company. You had nothing to do with it. You sat there like Johnny on the spot with your thumb up your ass as some kids on Reddit created a meme stock that saved our damn company. And you've been walking around like the fucking pimp of Vegas acting like I'm the guy who saved everything, baby. Yeah. This guy is 
a moron. <laughs> anyway, so I was thrilled to hear that AMC's shareholders spoke up and just said in, in whatever limited capacity they could, they got this one chance to express their voice on his compensation package. And they said, no. What, what is it? The, the Gamora says to Thanos, you asked the universe for a prize. And it said no. <laughs> and I'm glad to hear that. Hopefully, we're going to be getting a new... I don't think he's going anywhere. But anyway, that's just my thoughts on this. Chris, you read this story. What stands out to you? <laughs> Pimp of Vegas is what stands out to me. <laughs> oh, man. I, I just love that we're finally getting a little comeuppance here, right? You should not be rewarded for not doing a job. It's as plain and simple as that. And also, and this just probably shows my naivete, but why do you need... That many millions of dollars. By the way, just comparison's sake, mm -hmm. Cinemark, granted, not Cinemark isn't as big as AMC. True. Cinemark CEO makes $3 million. Makes $3 million. That's still... Six times less than Adam Aaron is asking his shareholders to pay so him. much money. I, I just like, what, Adam, what are you doing? Where is it going? How much cocaine do you need to snort? That's so much money. <laughs> so I just, I feel like it's such an outlandish number on a good day from somebody who is doing their job. So to have somebody who's just kind of muppeted about and got lucky ask for that kind of compensation is just out of this world to me. So I'm glad that he's not getting it. With that much money, you think you'd have a better haircut too. Oh, <laughs> I'm not going to hair. Listen, look at me. I am not in the position to haircut shame anybody. Okay? Well, that's because you don't make so, $18 million true, running AMC. Neither do I. <laughs> Touche, touche. He, anyway. he, he, he's not the one who made the decision on raising the Batman prices, right? He's oh. the CEO. Of course he yeah. is. Oh, he did. Yeah, that's another thing he did. Yeah, and that's like, there's a laundry list of a dozen micro decisions this guy's made that has been completely damaging to the industry as a whole. None of them involve Nicole Kidman, right? <laughs> Don't even get going on the Nicole Kidman <laughs> thing. That's really a good thing he did. You, you've been looking at this. You read this story. What stands out to you about it? You know, it's funny. Here's you have this pandemic and for us covering the entertainment news, the the closing of movie theaters was hugely detrimental to what we talk about. Yeah. I mean, it really it it irrevocably changed the industry. It caused the rise, you know, of streaming. Warner Brothers made a decision to go day and date because the pandemic with Disney Plus, Pixar, I mean, uh, Warner 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 uh, HBO Max. Pixar is now having a identity problem because people think that their movies are only on streaming i mean it was hugely damaging and then he did the the the, the multi-tiered things for the for for tentpole properties like i agree with you I, I i think that there are bad decisions that have been made here and it, it's nice to see that the shareholders especially a lot of the shareholders have 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 taken notice and said no this is not we might have made some money because the stock went it became a meme stock, but that doesn't mean we don't want AMC is a great viable company. Let's, let's, let's not be uh, like you pointed out. They're teaming up with Dolby. Those AMC Dolby cinemas are great. They're great places. They're fantastic. Great places to go see movies. And I, I don't want people to mistake our vitriol here for not going to see movies at AMC. Cause I I'm, went last night to see Lightyear. I'm going again just tonight. I'm going to go watch Elvis tonight at an AMC theater. Yeah. I mean, I'm I go to Regal. <laughs> I'm a huge I'm a huge AMC fan. They're Dolby Cinemas. You know, the first time I went was when we went and saw Joker together. I was suitably impressed. You know, Moonfall, whatever. I've really enjoyed AMC theaters. But you know what? This is not the way to run a theater chain. I mean, you're not a you're not you're not something like Wall Street. 18 million bucks. Mm -hmm. Well, here's the question now. Because that vote was 
as it said in the article, an advisory vote yeah. that the board of AMC is not legally obligated to take the results. There is a scenario here where the board of AMC can just discard what the shareholders voted sure. and said, we're going to pay Adam Aaron anyway, because they all seem to be Adam Arrow sycophants on that board right now. It's possible they could do that. But guys, read the room. Your shareholders are not happy. And if you just reject, like if this was like 51% to 49% vote, I could see the board doing their own thing. Right. This was a decisive defeat. Decisive. And so I hope the board takes notice of this and realizes, oh, look at that. Our shareholders are not happy. Also, John, I mean, I hope that movie theaters are doing well. Top Gun Maverick, way overperforming. You've got Jurassic World uh, Dominion making tons of money. Three films of the box office made over $40 million in the same weekend, which hasn't happened in ages. No, and even Lightyear made over $50 million. We've got we've got Elvis. We've got Thor. We've got all kinds of things. So <laughs> Adam Eric can go, but look at how good we're doing. By no fault of or no, no, none of his own efforts and say, this is why I deserve to make this money. And he might get that money. Oh, no, no. Adam Aaron has become a master of taking credit for things he did not do, which reminds me of some people over a collider. Well, not that I'm going to go there. I would, I'm joking. I, I just said that does it. Come on, relax. Everybody. What's a collider? I just wanted everybody to go. Whoa. It's a joke, everybody. Um, but no, Adam Aaron's become a master of taking credit for things that he had nothing to do with. And spinning it that way. Anyway, guys, we've gone on in this long enough. Question <laughs> is for you. What do you think about this? The shareholders of AMC are clearly sending a rebuke to the leadership of AMC theaters. Will they listen? Should they listen? Whatever you guys think about, jump down to the comment section below and leave those thoughts there. All right, guys. With that down, let's now move on and hear from one of our other sponsors of today's show. I've had a couple of the best nights of sleep in my life in a row. And that's due to our friends and a new sponsor here of the show, the good folks at Helix. Guys, we want to take a second and thank the sponsor of this video, Helix Sleep. Guys, let me tell you, just a couple of days ago, Ann and I received our Helix mattress and it is the best mattress we have ever slept on in our entire lives. We had like this $3,000 specialized mattress that we got like five, six years ago and we liked it very much, but this one completely outdoes it. It's night and day. And you can get matched with your perfect mattress too. See, Helix Sleep has a quiz that takes just like a minute to complete and it matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Why would you buy a mattress made for somebody else? With Helix, you're getting a mattress that you know will be perfect for the way that you sleep. I hopped online, took the Helix quiz, and Anna and I were matched with the perfect mattress for us. And it is so easy to set up. Simply take it out of the box, get it positioned on your mattress, take off the plastic, and then give it an hour to to breathe to reach its full size and you will not believe how comfortable this thing is all you got to do is go to helixsleep.com campia take their 60 second sleep quiz and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life and it's risk-free they have a 10-year warranty and you get to try it out for a hundred nights they'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it but you will helix even has financing options and flexible payment plans so a great night's sleep is never far away and here's the best part helix is offering up to 200 dollars off of all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helix helixsleep.com slash campia. 
And thank you to our friends at Helix Sleep for sponsoring this episode of the John Campus Show. Guys, remember, we got links to all of our sponsors and the promo codes down in the description of this video. When you support our sponsors, you're actually supporting us. So thank you to everybody who supports our sponsors, and thank you again to our sponsors. Okay, guys, with that down, let's move on to main topic number two. Chris, what is our second main topic today? This one comes from Victor. The A Nightmare on Elm Street franchise has been asleep for many years now after the remake in 2010. Not much has happened since, but producer Jason Blum has said many times he'd love to bring the franchise into Blumhouse, and after their success with Halloween, why wouldn't he? Blum recently did an interview and said that if they were able to do it, he's also confident that he could convince Robert England to come back and play Freddy Krueger. Do you think there's any possibility we could get one more Elm Street movie with Robert England, or do you think this franchise has gone to sleep forever? Thanks. <laughs> Gone to sleep forever. Well done, uh, I like that. All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, man. Listen, one of the hottest guys in the business is Jason Blum. This guy has turned an industry and created an industry out of reaching between the cushions on his sofa, finding whatever change he can, and making a feature film that makes $25 million at the box office. That's just a model he's not created, but defined. Right. He's done great with that. Now, listen, Blumhouse has made some stinkers. Absolutely. They have. But they've also made their great fair share of some really good ones. By the way, one of those really good ones is coming out here, and that's The Black Phone, which is wonderful. It's a wonderful film. I'm not going to say it's going to be a top five of the year, but it's a wonderful, enjoyable. It's going to make a lot of money. Fun, horror little film for a Blumhouse film. It's definitely going to make a lot of money by their standards. It's going to do really well. But what about. Something like Halloween, they brought that back and did a really great job with it, at least the first one they did. They're not a big fan of the most recent one. What about Nightmare on Elm Street? He has talked before about wanting, being loving to taking another crack at it. And he was actually asked specifically about, what about bringing Robin England back for this? This is what he had to say. This comes to us from the good folks over at MovieWeb who said this. While discussing Blumhouse's new movie, The Black Phone, Blum was asked about how he made clear, he has made clear, that he wants the rights to the two 80s horror franchises, that being Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th. And he responded, I really do. On the back of this, the question of Robert Englund possibly being out, uh, out of the picture to reprise a role that fans only want to see him play was asked. Blum responded, I could make him come back. I can get anyone back. I mean, Ellen Bernstein was 87 and I got her back into The Exorcist. Yeah, 75? He's young. I love that optimism. And he put that in there. And by the way, we just saw Robert Englund in Stranger Things. And yep. he crushed it. He crushed oh. it. He can still do it. Mm -hmm. And it's Freddy Krueger. He's covered in prosthetics and everything like that. It doesn't matter how old Freddy Englund As long as he can still do the role, all for it. But I will say the unpopular thing. This is a dead franchise. It's a dead franchise. Listen, Freddy Krueger, the idea of a guy, of a serial killer who inhabits your dreams and kills you in your dreams... That shtick wears out, and it wears out fast. Listen, the original Nightmare on Elm Street, to me, still kind of works. Like, I still oh. watch that, but but the sequels have never worked for me hmm. because it's just a repetition of the same premise. It's like, okay, I, I get it, but the, the guys in your dreams, there's no chance of success. I mean, it, it is what it is. They tried to remake it. Now, granted, the remake wasn't great, but the audience spoke loud and clear. They really weren't interested in it. And to be frank with you, while Nightmare will always be an iconic franchise for horror fans forever, I really don't know that there's any avenue for victory to trying to do another one again. 
even if you brought back Robert England. I just don't see the point. And so even if I was on, you know, Blumhouse's directory board and they make movies for $2 million, I mean, what they make The Invisible Man for? Eight? Eight. Eight million dollars they made that movie for. And what did it make? Well, it made a lot a more lot, than eight. Like a hundred million dollars. <laughs> it's a hugely profitable film. I, I just don't see the value in doing it. So I don't think this is ever actually going to happen despite what Jason is saying. But hey, listen, if there is anybody in the world who could make that work, it's Jason <clears throat> Blum. Anyway, Rob, you hear about this. Do you think they should take a crack and make another nightmare? And, and do you think they will? Well, here's the thing about the nightmare franchise. I'm actually a, a big fan of it because... Like, for instance, Nightmare 2, Freddy's Revenge, has gone down in history as one of the great stealth, queer films in all of cinema history. Jack Shoulder, the director, he did, no, people didn't get what he was doing, but now it's recognized as being a, a, an interesting coming-out film, different. Dream Warriors, the third film, I thought it leaned heavily into the fantastic aspects of it, the fantasy. There's lots of great fantasy set pieces to that. Um and even even Rennie Harlan's Dream Master, you know, and, and I, I I think the and then of course when they when they did the self reflexive Wes Craven's New Nightmare where the actors are playing themselves, like right. they've done some really fascinating things with this. And, and don't forget Freddy, about Freddie versus Freddy Jason. Versus Jay, I was going to say Freddie versus Jason. They've done some really interesting things with this franchise, and and I think it gives them a wide. If they go back and tell another story like the original movie, I think that would be letting it down. I think there's a really interesting, and I don't know what it is, but I think there's a really interesting meta update, the way that the Scream, the latest Scream movie kind of worked. If they could figure out a way to combine fantasy reality with some kind of social commentary and some great horror and and the, the kind of fantastical kills, even all the way back when Johnny Depp is sucked into a mattress and spewed all over the... I mean, the kills in these movies are really imaginative and really fun. That is one of the most iconic kills in all of horror, yeah. Yeah. actually, of all time. And even at the beginning, when Homegirls, or Homegirls is is she's getting cut, she's rolling on the ceiling and all that, and her boyfriend's like, "What the hell?" This, this, if for nothing else, with the effects technology that exists, the kills that they could put in this movie could be spectacular. Mm -hmm. And I want to see them. And if they brought back, I mean, with Blumhouse, maybe they could do three. You know, they could do the the Lord of the Rings of the Nightmare on Home Street franchise. <laughs> but I really think, I mean, on the heels of Stranger Things, if they could do something really clever and imaginative, it might be worth doing. But otherwise, I agree with you. They need to step up the game here. They cannot just do another Nightmare on Elm Street because it is dead. It was killed. It was the the remake killed it in 2010. Even though Jackie Earl Haley did a pretty good job, and he was the right choice to to pick up the. He was the right choice. I yeah. thought he was terrific, but what I mean, well, Chris, what I do mean, you think? I can't wait to not see this movie. First of all, <laughs> let's be clear. If anyone can do this, though, it's Blumhouse. I mean, that is where you take excellent horror too. So I think they could really, really execute something, especially shout out to our friend of the show, Cody, who's working over at Blumhouse, who does all kinds of creepy stuff for like, yeah. oh, did yeah, punch ups Cody. for like, nope and stuff too. So I think they could do something really, really fun and exciting here that I will dread going to see. Yeah, but I just, I think there's an opportunity here to do something. It, it has to be off the wall. Yeah. It has to be something that really is gonzo and, does something that we haven't because that this franchise has always pushed 
it's not just a slasher franchise. It has an mm -hmm. imaginative con uh, uh, component to it that they can't let go of. And I thought yeah. the remake kind of, the remake tried to bring it down to earth. And I'm like, you guys, you're already in orbit. You got to stay there. If they a... went into space, like the Fast and Furious franchise, I would be like. <laughs> well, Freddie or Jason did go into yeah. space. I know he did. It's Jason didn't work out so well. No, no it But it, so it's such a good premise because everyone can share this fear, though, of going to sleep at night and being haunted yeah. by something. So you can do anything with that. You know, what if, you know, just off the top, what if people have a collective dream? So it's not just one person. What if we are? Mm. What if somehow he's collectively inhabiting and changing whole civilizations? Ooh. I still think the whole thing's played out, but I don't know. There, if there's anybody who can find a way to make this work, it is Jason Blum. Question is for you guys: What do you think about this? Would you be down for another Nightmare on Elm Street? Do it again. Bring back Robert England to do it. Would that actually save it? Maybe it would. Maybe it would. Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. Okay, guys. With that down. Let's move on to main topic number three. Chris, what is our third main topic today? This is from Brett Moore. Hi, John, and welcome back. I just saw an interview with Chris Evans where he said he'd love to come back to play Johnny Storm again because he never felt the character got enough credit before. He even said he'd take that over coming back as Captain America. Do you think he's hinting at a return in the upcoming Fantastic Four with maybe John Krasinski? Hmm. What would you think of this? Thanks. All right, thanks for sending that in, Brett. And yeah, look, Chris Evans, we talked about, he made some comments about Captain America the other day. I'm completely on record. Chris Evans is going to be back in the MCU as Steve Rogers at some point. May not be this year, not next year, maybe not even within the next three. But he's a young dude. He'll be back. Take that to the bank. But one of the other questions a lot of people bring up, especially with the events of Doctor Strange and things like that is, wait a minute, could we see him as the Human Torch? Again, because remember, famously... Chris Evans' first foyer into an, playing an MCU character was not that as Steve Rogers. It was that as Johnny Storm, the Human Torch, which, by the way, I actually thought he played pretty damn well. He did. Him and Michael Chiklis playing Ben Grimm. Oh, so I thought good. those were the two highlights. For sure. Actually, I think that's I could have watched a buddy cop movie of the two of them. They had a great dynamic. Yeah, they had a really good chemistry and a really good dynamic between them. And I remember <clears throat> I got together and spoke with Chris Evans at Comic-Con when they did the first public screening of Captain America, the first Avenger. And we actually talked for a few minutes first just about the Human Torch. And I remember him telling me, he's like saying, like, I, I said, first of all, I, he never thought he was going to get the role of Captain Rogers because he's already been an MCU character. And he went on to talk about, and you know what? I don't regret that for a second. I, I had a lot of fun playing in those movies. I think that was a great character. I hope somehow, some way, the, these characters and whatever move on. He's always had a soft spot in his heart for this. So it kind of got ramped up even more when in a recent interview, he said this. This comes from the folks over at MovieWeb, quoting him, Chris Evans, who said this. Look, I would love to, talking about coming back to play Johnny Storm. Evans added about playing the Human Torch again. I would love it. That would actually be easier sell to me than coming back as Cap. You know what I mean? Cap is so precious to me. And, you know, I almost don't want to disrupt what a beautiful experience that was. But Johnny Storm, I feel like he didn't really get his day. That was before Marvel really found its footing. So I loved that role. And, you know, who knows? And that comes to us from the folks over at Variety. All right. Do I actually think we are going to see Chris Evans back as Human Torch? Thousand percent no. Thousand percent no. He's not going to do it. And if anything, the way he's responding to this question only triples down the fact that I'm 100% convinced he's not going to do this. 
He's talking about it in this way because he knows he's not doing it. So he can talk about it in these glowing, wonderful, happy terms. And by the way, he's not just being facetious. Like I said, I spoke to him years ago and we waxed poetic about his experiences playing Johnny Storm. And, and he sincerely did really enjoy playing that character. But a thousand percent, no, he will be back as Steve Rogers. He will not be playing that versions of thing. And, I, and it's important to note, there's a reason why no iterations of that Fantastic Four has ever reared up their head, right? I don't think they ever will either. So I'm a thousand percent saying this is not going to happen. Rob, you hear about this. What do you think the chances are that we could see Chris Evans as Johnny Storm? Like you, John, zero. Mm. I mean, he's too invested if he comes back as Steve Rogers, you can't, you can't have another job. You, they can't, unless it, it, the only way you would, could see something like this is if they had fun with it, if they go Avengers secret wars and you've got the multiverse iterations of these characters, it could be kind of funny if they met up. That's the only way I could ever see something like this happening because, because Chris Evans as Steve Rogers is a cornerstone foundational member of the entire MCU. And they don't want to take that away from him. I think it would dilute that unless unless it could be a funny bit in a multiverse battle world secret war scenario. That's the only way I could see it. Yeah. Chris, you see any way this could happen? No, I feel like we missed that window. Multiverse is where it should have happened. Or maybe, I mean, if he's willing to do Loki or something as a variant. But I don't see this organically fitting into the MCU as of right now. Um, and I think it's very easy to say, yeah, I'd love to do a cameo. Unless it's yeah. in Deadpool. Yeah. That's true. That. Now, when you talk about Deadpool, though, then it's anything's like almost possible. all rules go out <laughs> yeah. the window. Like you could things you can't possibly get away with. You can get away with if you do it in a Deadpool movie. Right. Because it's like there's a different expectation. There's a different set of circumstances. There. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think is going to happen here? Do you buy this? Do you think there actually would be a possibility that Chris Evans could pop up as the Human Torch again? Definitely not as the regular ongoing new Fantastic Four Human Torch, but even in some kind of a multiversal sequence in one of the MCU movies. Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys, with that down, let's move on to our fourth and final main topic today. Chris, what is our fourth main topic today? This is from the Antagonistic Anonymous. In a recent interview with Games Raider, Kevin Feige revealed that as MCU is approaching the end of Phase 4, a more clear roadmap of where the universe is headed towards will be presented to audiences soon, with hints already sprinkled throughout Phase 4. As an avid comic reader to me, MCU is hinting that the multiverse saga is headed towards secret wars. However, for the average film audience, these quote-unquote hints might not be as clear, so it's good to see Feige follow up on it. John, what are your thoughts on Feige presenting a more clear roadmap for the next saga? You know, phase four has been an interesting journey for the MCU. T to me, it's been the least of the four phases so far. Um, you've had some incredibly, incredibly big wins with things like, uh, when I'm, I'm spiking quality-wise, Spider-Man No Way Home, Shang-Chi, uh, Shang-Chi, which I think is a top five MCU film. Um, so they've had a number of really good ones, but it's, it's also been the most mediocre. Of the things too, Falcon, Winter Soldier, Loki, Hawkeye, Black Widow, you know, things like that. So it's been a liffy. Now, one of the big criticisms that a number of MCU viewers have had is that unlike the previous three phases, we have not seen what's the connective story. You know, what's the, how are these all connected? And you know me, I don't care. 
I go to see a good movie to see a good movie. I don't really give a lot of thought to, like, whether this movie is good or not does not rely on whether or not it connects really well in with these other seven movies. I don't really care. I go and say, show me a good movie. Give me a good two hours. Show me a good beginning, middle, and end, some good character development, all this kind of stuff. That's what I care about. But a lot of people have been conditioned because the MCU, this is what they do, connected universe, all that kind of stuff. And a lot of people have been criticizing the MCU as where is the overall story? Well, Kevin Feige has heard those words. And he's now telling everybody, don't you worry, that story is coming. This comes to us from the folks over at Variety who wrote the following. The MCU boss, Kevin Feige, told Total Film Magazine that while clues about the MCU's future have been baked into the existing Phase 4 titles, the larger game plan for the franchise will start taking shape more directly with the remaining Phase 4 titles. As we are nearing the end of Phase 4, says Kevin Feige, I think people will start to see where this next saga is going, Feige promised. I think there have been many clues already that are at least apparent to me of where the whole saga is going. But we'll be a little bit more direct about that in the coming months to set a plan so audiences who want to see the bigger picture can see a tiny, tiny bit more of where the roadmap is going. And again, that comes to us from Kevin Feige. So listen, we have a number of dangling threads here just from four, right? Uh, what's with the Ten Rings? Who's it sending signals to? What's with Arsham the Judge who's about to come back and judge Earth once again? Where did Spider-Man end up? How are the Thunderbolts going to play into all this sort of thing? I mean, on and on and on. There's a lot of these dangling threads. Uh, what's going on with the bracelet that Kamala Khan has now and all that kind of stuff. So all these things are there. Kevin Feige is now saying all the hints are there. But in the coming months, and I got to believe he's starting with Thor, he's saying it's about to become more clear. Whether that's with Thor or Ant-Man that's a little bit further off or Whatever, he says, we're about to start painting the picture a little bit more clearly where, where the overall strategy and plot of this thing is going. Rob, you hear Kevin Feige's words. He's saying that the hints are already there and they're about to become more clear. I can only assume he means Thor is about to paint us a little bit more of a picture. Where do you think this whole thing is going? I mean, you and I have talked about this, but tell everybody, where do you see this thing going? I think these the heroes are going to be, Arshem the Judge is going the center of the universe, but for rightly or wrongly with the infinity stones and all that ground zero was earth. There was a celestial that was in earth. Arsham, the judge came back to earth. The 10 rings are on the earth. 10 rings are on earth. I think that Arsham, the judge is probably going to come back and say, you know what? It's time. We're either going to sweep all of you away, or we're going to give you an opportunity to prove your worth in the universe. Because Kevin Feige is a, I'm going to hark back to a Star Trek episode. Shocking. When the Metrons, <laughs> when the Metrons were going to judge the Gorn and the Federation, they took the captain of each ship and they put them on an asteroid to fight. And they said, you know what? Whoever wins will will let you go on your merry way and, and uh, the other captain will be destroyed along with the ship. I think Which, that- by the way, was one of the basises of one of the best jokes in Galaxy Quest with Guy on the Planet. Do you find any rudimentary elements? That was all a, ca a callback to that episode no, totally of Star Trek. Totally a callback. I think that's what's going on. I think that, that, that the pieces are being moved, that this conflict, and it's going to be an interdimensional, multiverse, time, all of this, and there, the, 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 the heroes are going to have to come together and fight 
in a multiversal war. That sounds like something, Rob. What does that sound like? Well, it's the Secret Wars. <laughs> it's going to be that's that's it's going to be that's where they're going. It's going to be Avengers Secret Wars part 1 and 2. Ooh. Chris, mm -hmm. you hear like the hints he says are baked in. We're going to get more information. If it do you think it's, it is the Secret Wars that we're heading towards, which is what a lot of people that is the popular frame of mind right now. And if so, how do you think something like a Thor is going to start making that more apparent and more clear hmm. to people? I mean, it does feel like we're drifting towards that, but I really am hung up on the gods aspect of everything, right? Because we have so many different ones being introduced across these, right? So it feels like gore is going to be this potential connective thread as a larger, greater threat with all these celestials, with all these as guardians, with the um, African gods in uh, Wakanda, right? I feel like that's our commonality th through here. Because even, um, you know, Shang-Chi has a mythical element to it, too, that is tied to Chinese lore and everything. Right, yeah. Kamala Khan, we still don't know exactly what her bracelet connects to, but it all feels like it's to a greater mythology, which is the path I think we're going down. I think we're going to have that big epic battle that unites everyone together. And Lady Bast is Khonshu's, Lady Bast Wakanda is yeah. Khonshu's mm -hmm. sister. So there's going to be, there, there, all of this stuff is, and I don't know what this conflict, it's not going to be just like it was in the comics because there's two different Secret Wars. There was the Secret Wars of the 80s, mm -hmm. and then there's the Battle World, the multiversal Secret Wars. Which one do you think it'll lean more towards? More toward the multiversal one because yeah. the, one in, the one in the 80s was kind of rudimentary. You know, mm. it was more like, yeah, let's get together and fight because we have a cool toy line. But I think the, cool because the other one it, it has a little bit more meat on its bones in terms mm -hmm. of story. And I, I think, look, and I think the Russo brothers are going to come back and they're going to direct these two movies. Because they even I read an interview with the Russo brothers talking about how big this would actually be. Cause, and, and they would add in, I mean, it would be, uh, I can't even imagine how big it's going to be. But they're going to do it. They're going to make it a two-part movie. Mm -hmm. I also think we should give Phase 4 a little bit of grace just because it is a big setup, right? We have had a fire sale. Most of our heavy hitters are gone. They are done-zo. Mm. So it's been, how do we introduce all dunzo? these characters? Yeah, they're they done-zo. Dunzo. So we have to introduce all these other characters and give them a reason why they would want to help the greater good as a collective. So we gotta, we gotta give them a little space. And Feige, we trust, at least for me. I'm still, I'm still okay with everything. I still find that the MCU at the moment, and everybody knows I'm a big MCU fan. I, I have still found that the MCU is still struggling a little bit to really find its identity. Like, because after Endgame was done, and I, I remember a couple of years ago before the, I think it was just before the pandemic, I, I made a video called The Challenges Facing the MCU in a post-Endgame MCU. And I laid out some of the challenges, and I think some of them kind of passed, but one of the big ones, and we've talked about this before, is that they spent 12 years with Tony Stark and Steve Rogers as the faces and the personality, the heart and the lungs, like of that MCU. Like whenever we looked at the MCU, it was always kind of through the gaze and through the the lens of this is the Tony Stark, Captain Rogers kind of led MCU. And we looked at all the different characters and how the stories played out and blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, both of them are gone. And there was really no heir apparent character to be the one to step into that void to become that thor is one of my favorite characters in the mcu but thor is not that character dr strange is a great character but dr strange is not that character i don't know if they thought that maybe captain marvel would become that character but that, well, as much as i love watching captain marvel captain marvel's not that character so 
I still kind of find that the MCU at the moment is struggling a little bit with this identity. And maybe, as you're saying, Rob, once they start to make this path a little bit more clear about where the story is going, maybe in that it'll start to find some of its identity again. You know, I think you're right. And I think that right now what's happening is the the universe itself is damaged. Mm. We are watching the universe itself. I mean, we have the characters first and the characters are how we learned about the MCU. Now we have the MCU and the universe is coming apart. So I think what's going to happen at the end of phase four is they have to figure out how are we, how are we going to put it back together. And they're going to do it both on a, on a macro level and on a micro level too, because you're going to have the secret invasion happening. You're going to have the formation of the young Avengers. So you're going to have the, these earth centric stories and then this monster the universe is spinning apart. So we got to put that together and then we're going to watch these other stories grow. Let me ask you, how do you think the end of Doctor Strange, the multiverse of madness, I'm thinking particularly of the post credit scene with Strange and Clea saying, hey, there's a problem. You got to come help me fix it. It's your kids, Marty. Like you got to come help exactly me fix it. That's exactly what it was. Like, so, what, yeah. How do you think that's going to be playing in, into this? Well, that, thing? I, look, I think what's going to be interesting is they're going to need Doctor Strange and he's not going to be there. Mm. And they're going to be like, Wait, where's Stephen Strange? We're going to go to the Sanctum Sanctorum and and Wong will be there. Or maybe uh, something is going on and Strange will be, uh, he'll be absent. And they're going to need him. And it's going to up the jeopardy. Also, so. we, we, don't we have Adam Warlock coming too? Yep. Yeah. We got Adam He's Warlock. He's a uh, powerful being, right? Mm-hmm. Not to mention we got another Guardians of the Galaxy still coming. Yep. We got a She-Hulk show. I mean, there's still a number of projects in Phase 4 start to give us this roadmap. Question is for you guys. Where do you think all this is going? As Kevin Feige is saying, the hints are already there. And we're about to make it a lot more obvious. Let's not, none of us even mentioned Kang. Right. Yeah. There's a Kang element in this as well that could be very, especially if you know that story, that could be very, very vital to this. Anyway, guys, where do you see all this going? Jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts okay guys with that down we're now going to open up the super chats and start taking in your live questions we're going to move on and start reading those off but before we start reading those and you can start firing them in now we're going to take a second and thank the third sponsor of today's video the people who are making my ass feel so cozy and slick and comfy the good folks over at me undies we want to thank the sponsor of today's video, Me Undies. Guys, it is summertime, which means you got a lot of great fun plans, but make sure part of those plans is wearing Me Undies. Because Me Undies wants to make this summer the most comfortable one that you'll never forget. Because when you're living your best life in the summer, the last thing you want to worry about is butt sweat and junk swamp. Listen, when you're feeling comfy and feeling good, you're more present to enjoy all your summer plans. It's like science or something. MeUndies has the lightest and most breathable fabrics to keep you cool and comfortable wherever you go. From undies, bralettes and socks, loungewear and swimwear, you can find something for all of your plans. MeUndies also releases new prints all the time, like their limited edition Pride collection. You can match with your partner, friends, or even your dog. Find your ultimate summer comfort in sizes extra small to 4XL. 
sell. You guys know I have been wearing me undies for a couple of months now, and I will never go back to regular underwear. And right now, me undies has a great offer for all the viewers and listeners of the John Campia Show. For any first-time purchasers, you get 15% off. For a limited time, if you sign up for their free-to-join me undies membership, you get 25% off your first membership item. So to get 15% off your first order or 25% off your first membership item and a 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com slash Campia. That's MeUndies.com slash Campia. And thank you to our friends at MeUndies for giving me the most comfortable wear around my gitch that I've ever had and for being a sponsor of this episode of the John Campia Show. The hell is a gitch? It's always there. Anyway, <laughs> hey, Ray, we got some of our members have been firing some stuff. What do we got? All right. First of all, I got Nicholas Clark, who gifted five John Campia memberships. Oh, thank you, Nicholas Clark. That. I got Mark Hansen sending a message saying, send Craven after man thing. Oh, that could be interesting. Ooh. That's a great idea. And then, that would fit into everything we were just talking mm-hmm. about, right? Yep. Like That would actually fit. <laughs> That's a great idea. All right. What do we, and then I got one more from... Nariman, she says, I clearly don't pay attention to Star Wars because I thought Vader always knew about Luke, but kept him hidden. Whoopsies, totally missed that. Ha ha. Yeah, no, as far as canon goes, that has not been our understanding, but they may introduce it here. I mean, they've been playing really loosey-goosey with canon anyway, so they might as well do this. I don't know, but it'll be interesting to see if they do. We'll find out tonight because it's game day as we watch the finale of Obi-Wan a little (laughs) bit later tonight. All right. With that down, let's get into your live questions that you guys have already been firing in. Chris, what do we got? We are starting off with some support from Fangblaze71. Thank Thank you you so much. Alex Mata, Blumhouse is thinking about the wrong Freddy movie here. Let's see that Five Nights movie already. Yeah, Where is that movie? Because I'll tell you what, video game, I've never played a video game that even remotely creeped me out. Never once. It doesn't matter which one you throw at me. Like, none of them do I find a video game. Not creepy. even a little Silent Hill? No, not even in the remote. The last of them? Alien nope. Isolation? Oh, Alien nope. Isolation so scary because no. when you breathe, they hear you. And the sound effects. Come Until on. I laid in bed one night going to sleep and I thought, I'll try this Five Nights at Freddy. That was and foolish. <laughs> this, this game is funny. It's legitimately disturbing <laughs> and i've been wondering where is it because wasn't chris columbus uh, like attached to this for a I long time too like so yeah that seems like such a weird pairing yeah but apparently okay. he had this idea so i don't know where it is you're right i want to see this movie come to fruition though all right what's next from ryan Lawner. whenever i read a headline about ezra miller there is never a point where i know what the next word is going to be <laughs> say what you will yeah. keeps you on your toes yep. <laughs> this whole Very thing true. Like, in the news today ezra miller and you have no idea if they're about to talk about a french bake shop or if they're about to talk about some horrible atrocity that's happened somewhere you <sighs> just don't know all right what's next from jay bling forgive my lack of understanding of studio finances but could the flash be reshot with money intended for projects that were axed by zaslav um, but then you haven't saved that money. <laughs> now right. that, you you ax those projects because you want to save that money and you want to put it towards other things that have a better creative chance of being, you know, profitable and stuff like that. Look, you reshoot this movie, you may lose less than you were going to. You make this movie for $350 million, it's not going to be profitable. I, no. I, I don't see reality in which it was profitable. But maybe it's, it's just about trying to cut your losses as much as you can now. So that could be part of it. All right, what's next? From Sam Fisher, one of three. Star Wars comics actually reveal that it was Boba Fett who revealed to Darth Vader he had a son. He was tracking Luke, Han, and Leia. And while 
he didn't catch them, he heard the name Skywalker. He told Vader, and that's how Vader learned Luke was his son. It's a Darth Vader comic. For Hercules. Oh. Hmm. Okay, well, that's Well, related. I guess we didn't get part three. Here's the thing, though. That's, that, and this this is the thing. Like, first of all, you're absolutely right, but it doesn't matter. That's in the comics. Mm -hmm. That that absolutely is not. But John, uh, the Skywalker said that the comics are now part of canon. Uh, it's turned out none of it is, is legit. I mean, they've broken canon so many times in their comics, so it really doesn't apply. So while that is true, that has been in the comics, it really won't deter them from doing something else. Uh, either that is consistent with that, or is completely non-consistent for that. So it doesn't really give us a lot of guide either way there. All right, what's next? From uh, Nariman, I want Jonathan Majors as Reed Richards. I want him to play all the male heirs of the Richards family. It would be nuts. Of course, that goes into the the lore and the comic books, of course, of that. Uh, with, with, but that was more, that was Franklin Richards, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. They, look, there's a lot of very interesting things they could do with Kang. I'm on record saying I don't think Kang is the next Thanos. He no. might be. I, no, I don't no. think he is. But that doesn't mean he's not going to be very intricate, like intertwined in what's going to be happening. He with, could be a young Avenger. I mean, well, he is a young <laughs> Avenger, right? <laughs> so, I mean, it's going to be int very interesting to see how it ties in, not in just to the rest of Phase 4, but maybe even Phase 5 moving forward. All right, what's next? From Whitehawk, Wolverine is described as a hunter and as animal empathy. And has animal empathy? Well... That's true. Yeah, that's true. I mean, again, really, when you think about it, it's not that big of a leap mm -hmm. to say a character is both savage hunter, but protector of the world as well. Right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's something about that. It, again, I have no idea how they're going to rectify this or how this is actually going to play out. So I'm going to wait till we see something official. Yeah. All right. Oh, what's next? Did you just read something from Mike's movie Madness? No, I didn't. Okay. okay sorry. 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 Okay. okay. No. From sorry, Josh Bob. Becker. Leia Sadeo was cast in Dune 2 as Lady Margot. Yeah, we were just talking about that while the, the ad was playing. We'll discuss that on the John Campion Show tomorrow, but it's exciting news. From Amin, percentage chance we get a Wakanda Forever teaser attached to Thor film releases November 11th. 5%. I think very low. Uh, we I think that Marvel would have let us know that a new trailer is coming. By the way, don't forget, unless the name of the movie is Avatar... Trailers no longer debut in front of movies. Mm -hmm. they, debut, they debut online yeah. days before the movies. And nowadays, there's always some fanfare and some announcements. So I, I'm going to say 5%, Rob. That sounds good. Maybe a little higher. Maybe. Chris? I don't think it's happening. Yeah, I don't think it's happening either. All right, what's next? From Al Renshaw, I almost fell out of my chair laughing during your AMC Adam Aaron rant. LOL. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I don't know. Well, I, I Look. I am still going to AMC theaters tonight. They are still, despite everything else, they are still my movie theater of choice. Yeah. Um, it's just that it's so weird. I, I I can't remember the last time I saw a company go from such a great CEO that they had in Jerry to such an incompetent dude. Like, I, I just, it's, uh, it's neck breaking. All right, what's next? From BJ, MCU Phase 4 post-credit scenes are like train car hitches when the cars are all on different tracks. Hmm. If K-Fike's going, going to reveal that every P4 Phase 4 property has been its own universe since Endgame? No. No, I don't think so. I mean, there's still, remember, there's, there's casuals they may be. There's a lot of references between all the different connecting things, right? So, like, you have a lot of 
references in, say, Eternals about the larger world. Yeah. You have in just just last Shang-Chi. week. You know, well, Shang-Chi. You have in Ms. Marvel direct references to Eternals with Kingo and things like that. So they're they still showing all that kind of stuff. So it's an interesting theory. Let's keep our eye on it. But right now, I think they've, they've kind of shown that that's not the case. But who knows? We'll see where they go with it. All right, what's next? From Daniel Dang, Leia Sadeau will play Lady Margot, Fennering, and the uh, Bane Gazer- Gezeret wife of the ben Count. Ben Thank you. I did not read Dune. Uh, of the Count Fenerig in Dune Part 2. This movie has such a stacked cast. It already had a stacked cast with Part 1. They've just increased it with Part 2. And uh, we'll look forward to talking about that more on the show tomorrow. All right, what's next? From Amin, who do you think is the most likely to die at the end of this season of Stranger Things? Eddie. I think it's Eddie. I, I think him. it's Eddie. Or, or, or Steve. Steve. Yeah. I, I'd say Eddie is the biggest one just because he's the new kid on the block. Mm-hmm. But other than that, if they were going to take out one of the found founding characters from season one, I think Steve is the one that uh, might be getting set up to get knocked off here because... They've already they've they've done a lot more to to show the depth of relationship relationship between Steve and uh, what's the kid's name with the hat? Dustin and Dustin. They've well, really done that there. The the reconnecting of a relationship with what's her name, you know, all that kind of stuff. To take him out now, I think will have maximum emotional impact. I agree. And because of that scene with him and Eddie, of I hate how much Dustin loves you. Basically, yeah. he's like it. It makes me so upset that this kid idolizes you so much because I want him to idolize me. Right. Yeah. It's all, it all seems like pretty good setup. So I don't know. We'll see. All right. What's next? From Harry, uh, one of two. Rob, I watched Star Trek, the motion picture and loved it. Now watching some original series. Found this list online. Menagerie, Balance of Terror, Space Seed, Devil in the Dark. Where's the rest of Harry? Um, Did you get in there, Harry? All right. We can't, we can't spend a lot. Those were all great episodes though. I'm sure the list you read was, was, that's a great list. There's not a bad episode in those ones mentioned. By the way, if you haven't seen Star Trek The Motion Picture, the version on Paramount Plus, the new 4K restoration, is a great version of the film, and it it goes a long way toward uh, alleviating many problems people have with that movie in terms of its pacing. Which is exactly what a special edition should do. All right, what's next? From Wayne Edwards, sending in a $20 super chat. Thank you, Wayne. So if in the Obi-Wan finale, Vader discovers he has a son, that would be bad. One big reason is that they would be breaking their own canon. In the Darth Vader comic, we see when Vader finds out about Luke. Okay. Again, that's the comic. They've they've already kind of shown the comics, it it doesn't really matter much. Listen, this show in and of itself by its very existence is breaking canon. Right. The original tension, like, and I've had this this debate with Harloff and, and, and others and stuff like that. The clear, you can play semantics all you want. The clear original intention of the original movie, when Vader says to Obi-Wan, the last time we met, I was but the learner, now I am the master. That was the clear message of that was the last time they faced each other was when he ultimately defeated him on Mustafar. That was the clear message of it. Now, well, if we're going to do Obi-Wan, i got to have Vader back. Well, let's play with the semantics a little bit. Let's let's say, well, but when he said that, what he meant was this, and blah, blah, and they start to do all these, you know, semantic hula hoops and everything like that and somersaults. So they're already breaking canon. How do you feel about that? I look. I felt for a long time that Star Wars canon was sac- uh, sacrosanct. I really did for a very very long time. 
when it just became apparent that people at Lucasfilm didn't feel that way anymore, I had a choice I had to make. I had a choice to either say, well, that's the most important thing to me, so screw Star Wars and I'm done with Star Wars. Or I had to say, I'm just going to have to accept that's what they're doing and hope that they make good content, even though they're clearly going to be breaking canon here and there along the way. I opted for the latter. And so I can live with it as long as the result is good storytelling. If the result is good storytelling, I can live with it. So as I'm watching Obi-Wan now, I'm not sweating the fact that Obi-Wan and Vader should not be running into each other again. I'm not sweating that anymore. I mean, do I like it? No, but I'm not going to sweat it too much and say, just make it a good story. And if you make it a good story, then I'll just roll with it. So that's kind of my own personal feelings as a Star Wars fan on it. All right, what's next? From Caden. <laughs> Bally calls Ahsoka, which also would build upon her as Fulcrum. Ahsoka will intercept Reva before she ever reaches Luke, so canon doesn't get broken. See, the Bell calls Ahsoka. Is it Bale? Uh, yeah, probably Bale Organa. I don't think Bale would call Ahsoka. There's really hasn't been any kind of indication in here that that's been an ongoing communication. Well, because also then why wouldn't you just have Ahsoka do all of this if Obi-Wan's so recalcitrant to go on this mission? Yeah, especially at the beginning there, right? Again. I mean, I... Yeah, I, I don't see them bringing Ahsoka into this, especially when you look at the time period of it as yeah. well. So I... Yeah, I don't think so. But hey, that's a very interesting theory. And you're mm -hmm. thinking outside the box there. Let's see what happens with it. All right, what's next? From Sebastian Gomez. Thank goodness you're back, John. In your absence, these hooligans set fire to the studio and clipped a baby seal to death. We would me? never. How dare you? No, also, they exclusively talked about Star Trek. That is true to an extent. Now, by baby seal, do you mean cat? No. no. And, not, and oh, okay. not a baby seal either. <laughs> Cameras are supposed to be off. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know what kind of trouble. Listen, I'm not going to be here on Thursday. So, and I may not be here on Friday either. Mm -hmm. uh, Thursday, I'm going to be speaking at, uh, again, you guys know, if any of you guys are going to YouTube's big annual conference, VidCon, YouTube's invited me to come and speak at that. I'm going to be that on Thursday, speaking there. Um, and then Friday, I'm hoping, because I think this weekend is my last chance to go and play in the World Series of Poker. You guys know for the past five years, I try to go every year to play in the World Series of Poker. And I think this weekend might be my last shot. I'm not 100% sure, but I might be gone Thursday and Friday as well. So hide your baby seals. Uh, I don't want to leave I these guys there. I never club a baby seal. Okay, what's next? Oh We're actually going to cover how, just bat to how Batman up. Beyond uh, joins the Enterprise crew. <laughs> oh, there we go. I mean, Tara McGinnis and Captain Kirk <laughs> oh, teaming up. the best. Now, that's I'd a love show it. right uh, there. <laughs> all right, what's next? From Drew Yepsen. <laughs> hey, all. Love the show and all you do. Thoughts on Palpatine making a brief appearance in the Obi-Wan finale? I'll go a soft 65%. It's not... For, there are two things that go to its favor and why it's not really unrealistic. Palpatine keeps a pretty good open communication with Vader. Especially when... Somebody like General Kenobi still being out there is on the uh, docket. So I, I would not say 65. I'd say like 15. But it's a valid chance because it's consistent with what we know in the year. Not necessary, but consistent with what we know, Rob. By the way, I mean, in terms of what the story for Kenobi should be, Kenobi should absolutely confront the Emperor. 
because they work together. More so, I mean, Vader wasn't came about later, whereas Palpatine was the real guy that came up in the midst of the Jedi. That would be the person that, yeah, Anakin was bad, but it's Palpatine that destroyed the Jedi Order and caused all this misery to happen. It would be yeah. Master Kenobi. I mean, no, really, the ones who should confront the Emperor already have, and, and that's really Mace Windu and Yoda. And both of them already had. Obi-Wan's real connection is is Vader. So I and by well, the way, like Obi-Wan wouldn't stand a chance against him. No, Emperor. but I mean if there was some kind of a, a, a not a I don't think he should battle him because he's in no condition to battle him, but something. Like it would be really interesting if 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 the Emperor left Kenobi with with even more despair. Like look what I've done to you. <laughs> you know, I would love to see something like that. All right, what's next? Hey, Marcellus, John, you would make a powerful Sith. Your anger pleases Palpatine. Yeah, ah, boy, I just, there, there's just, uh, there's something about Adam Aaron that just, you know what it was? It was that damn CinemaCon when he got up there and acted like he was the one who saved AMC <laughs> when it was a, when it was the damn Reddit thing. Like, I already didn't like the guy because you had taken millions of dollars in bonuses for laying, for taking the jobs of 30,000 people away. That pissed me off right there, but it was that whole smug Thing of taking credit for something he did not do that just like burned me man I, and i shouldn't be as upset as it is not my money but it, it just it really burned me i really don't like that dude anyway all right what's next from moon kang will watch the world burn thoughts i mean you know i don't think he wants to watch the world burn he needs the world but he likes to cause problems <laughs> you know all right what's next from Yamil Diaz, if all the Spidey villains are good now, does that make Spider-Man the real villain? Well, according to J. Johanna Jameson, he's always been the real villain. Yeah, I mean, look, you still got a, there's a very large Spider-Man rogues gallery. Yeah. Right? So you can very easily say, and, and a lot of them in the comics have played the anti-hero from time to time. And then you got your straight up baddies, right? So there's still plenty of them to go around, so I wouldn't worry about that. All right, what's next? Mr. Holdbrook, what do you think about the Duffer Brothers getting a shot at an MCU movie? Eh, I mean, why not? I mean, they've shown they can do some things. Look, the key thing here is this. Nobody ever heard of the Russo Brothers. I mean, I'm talking about general public. Nobody heard of the Russo Brothers when Kevin Feige selected them. No, Like, most people didn't know who Peyton Reed was when he selected them. Most people never heard of John Watt before they selected them. I mean, the reality is Kevin Feige can take anybody with some good creative talent and shepherd them and, and bring them to the promised land. Look, you really want to know how impressive Kevin Feige is? I don't think, I, I love the Russo brothers. Everybody, I'm so pro-biased, pro-Russo brothers, it's crazy. But, trying to be as objective as I can, they've not exactly hit it out of the park in the stuff they've done without Kevin Feige. No. And that is both for, with their production company of Agbo. Um, some people will point out they were producers on Everything Everywhere All at Once. They literally, I, I mean, I know the behind the scenes story that they literally didn't have anything to do with that movie. Uh, Agbo is a company credit to it. Yeah, but they really didn't have anything to do with it. So, you can Kevin Feige has a real good sense of picking out people to work with that he knows he can have some great success with and will work well with them. I don't know, Rob, what are your thoughts? Well, the, yeah, the difference is that the Duffer brothers have created a, a sensation. 
in right. Stranger Things. They are they have written and directed many of the episodes even in this fourth season. They don't need Kevin Feige. They're their own Kevin Feige. They created a universe. They have a certain amount. They wield a certain amount of power within the industry. They're going to milk it. They are creators. Unlike, say, James Gunn, who'd made two, $3 million movies that he wrote and, direct, wrote and directed, and that's why Kevin Feige tapped him. The Duffer brothers are way higher. Then again, so was, uh, oh, oh, oh my word, why am I freezing on uh, Creed's director's name? Um, uh, I was Ryan Coogler. Ryan Coogler. I mean, Ryan Coogler was one of the hotter names in directing when when Kevin Feige went and said, you're my guy to do Black Panther. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, the difference is that the Duffer brothers are now a business. They've mm-hmm. created a franchise. That's the, the, true. A, a cornerstone of Netflix. They're commanding budgets of $30 million. I mean, they're making so much money. They're probably, every studio's clamoring, create something for us. Yeah, that's a good point. So yeah, they're never going to be a director for hire team. All right, what's next? From Fangblaze 71, do you think we will see Eternals 2 or will they just pop up somewhere else in Phase 5? We're going to see Eternals 2. Um, Kevin Feige already had a long-reaching plan with the Eternals. They don't throw the Returnals will return. No, no, no. Then again, he did put up at the end of Shang-Chi, the hand will return. I don't mm-hmm. think we're going to see a the hand movie per se. So that goes against that. But no, I, I do think we are going to see an Eternals 2. I think that's I part of too. Kevin Feige's roadmap. All right, what's next? From Rocket Sized, Sam Raimi's Elm Street. Hey, listen, if Jason Blum wants to take a crack at it, if anybody can make it work, he can. And if they were to announce that Sam Raimi was doing it with them, I'd be lying if I didn't tell you that would be intriguing for sure. All right, what's next? From Nathan Oswald, I have now seen Top Gun Maverick 10 times and I keep (laughs) loving more each time. Thank you, Regal Unlimited. I mean, that is one of the great things about AMC A-List, Regal (laughs) Unlimited, those types of... Plans. If you find a movie you love and you got some spare time, you just run down the theater and go watch it again. Um, I know Anne and uh, Olive. Olive is uh, Ray and Anne's sister. I know Anne and Olive want to go watch it again, but I don't think Ray's going to go with them because he'll he'll only want to go see if it's yeah, 4DX. Yeah, you know that 4DX, baby. Yeah, Bring you're not that. getting that anymore. It's <laughs> yeah. already out of those theaters. All right, what's next? From Sam Fisher, for Hercules, for the muses, I want them to be played by Beyonce, Janelle Monet, Jennifer Hudson, Cynthia Irv- and Mary J. Blige. Yeah, good luck. That ain't going to happen. <laughs> it's <pretty> cool, though. <laughs> be, I mean, yeah, it'd be very, be very great. cool for <laughs> sure. Absolutely. But it ain't going to happen. That's not even within the realm of possibility. All right, what's next? By the way, see, Beyonce dropped her, her new uh, her new album. No. I haven't had a chance to listen to it. I just saw that it dropped at like midnight and stuff oh. like that. So it's like... Good music day. There's new music from the Lumineers, too, and stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know about that. Mm-hmm. All right, what's next? From Nicholas Clark. Drink when John says, maybe, just maybe... <laughs> Rob mentioned Star Trek Free Enterprise or Hot Toys. Chris swears or makes a sexual reference. Yeah. Ray is hungry or ponders a hot toy bet. Producer Jonathan speaks. You're going to die. You're going to die <laughs> yeah, if you yeah, do this. You'll, yeah, you're, you're going to be gone and half in the bag before we get to the main topics every yeah. day. So that's probably not a good drinking game to play. Man. Pick right, no, one. Take a shot. Yeah, pick one. Pick one. <laughs> maybe. Take just shot. maybe. Pick one of those. I was going to say, go with that one so you have a drink. Yeah. Otherwise, if you pick swearing or Star Trek, you're going to have liver poisoning. All right. What's next? Ben Rayner. I'm pumped for the Obi-Wan finale tonight. I've been loving the miniseries. It's been my favorite Star Wars show. Bring on Vader and Obi-Wan. Love that for you, Ben. Uh, sorry. All my monitors suddenly turned off. It was kind of weird oh. here. Uh, I, I, I missed I missed the question. I was distracted. Uh, Ben's really loving Obi-Wan. This is their favorite Star Wars show, and he's very, very pumped about it. Listen, that is the beautiful thing about the art form in general, right? is the fact that you can have something that 
I don't like or somebody else doesn't like, but somebody else can watch the exact same thing and have a completely different experience with it depending on how it's hitting them and where they're at. Totally. Right? And that is the beautiful thing. So like I'm sitting here telling you, just being honest with you, Obi-Wan has not been great to me. That's fine. I love that you've been enjoying it. That is awesome that you've been enjoying it. I'm a little bit jealous. I wish I was enjoying it like that. <laughs> so yeah, that's awesome, dude. And here's hoping that it can really bring it home for all of us tonight. All right, what's next? From uh, me. The mention of incursions in Multiverse of Madness really gave it away that we are headed to Secret Wars for me. But I get how people could have missed that. Well, see, that's why I brought up a little bit earlier with the Clea ending there, right? That another incursion was was occurring that had to prevent an incursion. That's why I was asking you a little bit earlier. How do you see that ending playing right into a Secret Wars? Now, you thought maybe that removes him from the equation, but Where I'm thinking maybe it actually injects them into the equation. Well, uh, no. I mean, when I say that, that no, they're in the midst of it. It's just that mm. in, our, in our universe, they might need to, where did Doctor Strange go? We need right. him. And in the meantime, he's over there and he's going to show up. Ah, I you know, see what you're saying. You know, like they, they, they need him now and they can't find him. All right. What's next? From Al Renshaw. Saw Lightyear three times and loved it. Did you guys also get the Omega, uh, homage to Star Wars? One, Dark Side of the Planet. Two, It's Everywhere. It's All Around You. The Force. Three, Socks the Cat. R2-D2 moment at the end. I still haven't uh, seen it. I think those might be more coincidences than anything else. I will say this. I saw Lightyear last night. I saw the entirety thing. I had said after watching the first 30 minutes that my prediction, should the rest of the movie be as good as the first 30 minutes, that this was going to become the fourth animated film in history to be nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards. Only it's ever happened three times. The thing is, Act 2 and Act 3 aren't as good as the first 30 minutes. Oh. Um, I still found it to be good. Like, I, I walked out, like, my wife loves this movie. Like, Anne loves it from start to finish. To me, Act 2 and Act 3 do not live up to Act 1. But they're still solid, serviceable, what I call second-tier Pixar. And so I walked out with a smile on my face. The first 30 minutes are still amazing. Socks, is that the name of the cat? Socks? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Socks the cat. Oh my God, one of my favorite things on a movie screen in a long time. Uh, so I still enjoyed the movie a good deal, but it's not nearly as good as, say, the promise of the first 30 minutes. But still an enjoyable film. I still liked it. All right, what's next? From Jay Master, sitting in a $20 super chat. Thank you, Jay. I read an article on CBR that there is a report going on that Millie Bobby Brown and her agent are talking to Lucasfilm Disney for a future or upcoming Star Wars movie or a Disney Plus show. Um, I mean, why Why wouldn't they? Yeah, that's I mean, not surprising. Yeah, here's the thing that you should know about Lucasfilm. When they have an upcoming Star Wars project, they do not just pick somebody's name on a list and go to that person right? They cast deeply. Mm -hmm. They will talk to a lot. I mean, even um, uh, uh, Scarlett Johansson has talked about how she's read for like three different Star Wars projects. Like they will literally, because every performer, whatever, whatever the status you think or state you think Star Wars is in right now, everybody wants to be in a Star Wars movie. Everybody does. And everybody reads. And all that kind of stuff. So I wouldn't be surprised at all to find out that Millie Bobby Brown. First of all, I wouldn't be surprised to find out if this would be the fourth or fifth time she's auditioned for something yeah. or read for something. So I wouldn't be surprised if this was true at all. And it's Nina Gold who cast these things. And she will find unknowns constantly, too. Right. That's how we ended up with Daisy Ridley in there. She had cast uh, Jumbo Yega in Attack the Block. And that's how he kind of got his foot in the door for Star Wars. So 
It doesn't necessarily have to be a big name. She hasn't found all the unknowns yet. <laughs> Ray Aura, <laughs> Sith Lord. This is our year, Ray. This Catering is the year. Lord. <laughs> Catering Lord, the Sloth Lord. All right, what's next? From Jay, how well is that end credit theme for Obi-Wan? I usually skip past most end credits, but I've listened to it every time. Was it produced by John Williams? I know the, the, the main theme was com composed by John Williams. I don't, I'll be honest with you, I've never paid attention to the end credit score. Mm. I really, I, I'm usually kind of just ready to go to bed yeah. <laughs> <laughs> by the time the show's over because I stay up to midnight to watch no it. No doubt. Uh, and now, and ever since Ms. Marvel started, I'm like rushing off of it so I can go watch the next episode of Ms. Marvel because it's infinitely in better than Obi-Wan so far. Um, so I haven't really paid attention. Is it the same theme from the oh, I haven't listened to it either all the way through. I heard the, the theme played live, you know, at Star. I watched the video right. at Star Wars Celebration. But other than that, I haven't listened to the it's a, I love the piece of music and you can get it. I think it's on Spotify, but I don't know if, how much of it they play on the end. Um, credits of the show. All right, what's next? From Zach Mel uh, Talks Movies. So John, are you a Jonas Brothers fan now? Tell you what. I'll tell you what. Tell you I'm what. An, tell you what. I am an open-minded guy, right? <laughs> like uh, Jonas Brothers, I let's, for those who don't know the story, a few weeks ago was mine and Nan's anniversary. We went to Vegas cuz we love going to Vegas. And she said for our anniversary your gift to me is going to be that you come with me to the Jonas Brothers concert. To which, what am I going to say? No. So like, is there anything else I can do for you? <laughs> She's like, no, I want you to come to the Jonas Brothers concert with me. So I'm like, okay, fine. I had no interest in it. No desire to see it. And I don't care what anybody else says. Those lads, <laughs> to quote Billy Butcher, they're good lads. They put on a show, I'm not going to lie to you, it was great. They put on a great show. <laughs> and they had some killer, I, I'm always looking at the musicians when I go to a live concert because that's what I appreciate most. They had some killer musicians playing with them. And by the end of that show, I was like, I could lie, but... I would watch the Jonas Brothers again. I would go and watch them in life. They put on a really good show, and yeah. I ain't going to lie about it. Good lads, Jonas Brothers. Good lads. You'd think they were Canadian. All right, what's next? <laughs> good taste in the ladies, too. From Sam Fisher. Oh, uh, this is the three of three. Don't know which one. That was something. All right. Um, uh, oh, that was about his Star Trek. Oh, yeah, episodes, yeah, yeah. I the third one. Yeah. Uh, Morgan Holmes sending in a twenty dollars super Thank chat. Thank you, Morgan. How to fix the Flash release? The movie in the uh, release the movie in theaters. Add one scene. Ezra dies using the Speed Force, and out the Speed Force comes out Timothy Chalamet as the Flash. Here's the problem <clears throat> with with everybody wanting to talk about this. I'm, I might clip this out, and make it its own standalone video. So many people writing this like, well, how do you fix it? It's just uh, he goes through another time thing and he comes out and it's a different actor now or blah, blah. They got to rectify this in the movie. No, you don't. The next Flash movie, it's just a new actor. That's what they've done in Hollywood for a century. We've had a thousand Batman. Yeah. Like when, <laughs> when Pierce Brosnan was wrapping up his run as Bond, he didn't have to go into like some kind of nuke him out of a nuclear explosion and then when he woke up in the hospital and they took off the bandages oh he looks like daniel craig now no you just go into the next movie daniel craig is playing the role now it's no more complicated than that the movie is the movie it's gonna play out it's gonna end 
Then the next movie you do, you just have in the trailers, hey, so-and-so is playing Flash now. That's it. Doesn't Indeed. make anything more complicated than that. Mm -hmm. It's real simple. I don't know. What do you say about that? I think you're exactly right. I mean, it's first of all, they're not going to fix. This movie's done. I, I really don't believe that they're going to go in and reshoot anything. I just don't believe that. Like you've pointed out, it's just too expensive. And like you said, you know, when the James Bond movie on Her Majesty's Secret Service started with George Lazenby taking over from Sean Connery, there's a fight scene on a beach. And right before the opening <laughs> credits, scene. he turns and he looks into the camera and says, this never happened to the other fellow. <laughs> and then the music starts. I mean, they don't, come on. You Like you said, they just don't explain it. They just go right into it. Or, or when they replaced Rhodey in the right. MCU and yeah. Iron Man 2. Right, goes, oh, oh, I didn't even, uh, I didn't even recognize her for a second. Yeah, it's me. Deal with it. And then they moved on and that was it. Yeah. Just put in a new actor. That's it. You don't have to do some weird contrived thing that you went through the speed force and you have to explain why it's a different. No, you don't just next movie, new actor. We move on. Yeah. All right. What's next from Jay master sending in another $20 super chat. Thank you, Thank Jay. You. Thanks. Harmonious live is streaming live from Epcot at Walt Disney world today at 9 PM, 6 PM uh, on Disney plus in the U S and Canada hosted by Adina Menzel featuring songs from our favorite Disney movies. Oh, that sounds charming. Sounds it's all good. get out. Okay. I'm sorry. That. What what is Harmonious Live? I've never heard of this. It's some kind of music thing from Disney. Oh, okay. I love Disney. I'm gonna look it up. <laughs> Sounds but, good. Hey, though. Listen, if Adele Dazim is hosting it, sign me up. The Epcot Harmonious Spectacular is that what this is? Harmonious. Oh. Experience. Hold on, we gotta do it in a Disney voice. Experience this nighttime spectacular and discover how Disney music and stories have the power to bring people together tonight wow. only. Well, hey, listen, if, if Indina Mazel is there, why not? Yeah. Adim Dizel. No, Adele Dizim. Adele Dizim, that was it, yeah. <laughs> Best it's name ever. It's what he says it is. By the way, did you know, I did not know that, there is a John Travolta name converter online where you can go and you put in your Where's name this? and it will spit out how John Travolta would introduce you at the Academy <laughs> oh, Awards. Awesome. Uh, yeah, you guys, guys just got to go look it up and go find it and uh, punch yeah. it in. All right, what's next? From Jay, I think Chadwick was intended to lead the MCU. R.I.P. No, I, I really don't think... Uh, listen, that character had far too many responsibilities. That character is the king of Wakanda. That, that character is the Black Panther, the protector of Wakanda. That character's time and dance card is spoken for, so I, I really don't think that uh, T'Challa was meant to be the leader of the Avengers. All right, what's next? From Andy, Ant-Man should appear in the upcoming Blade movie to give us a major plot twist that Scott Lang was a vampire all along because he never <laughs> ages at all. By the way, one of my favorite jokes in episode two of Ms. Marvel was like, she's comparing herself and Ant-Man. Like, we're both this, we're both this, and we both look way younger than we are. Like, I'm like, that is like the best joke. Like, it's an ongoing Paul Rudd joke. I, I love that joke a lot. All right, what's next? From Josie Reviews, John, love you. Can't wait for the anniversary to... Uh, oh, the anniversary too. Oh, too. <laughs> Glad to have you back. But the next time you want to call it the flu, just call it Joe Bro's Fever. Joe Bro's Fever? You Jonas got sick Brothers after seeing fever. them. Oh, Big Boys gave I you the, the vapors. Fever. <laughs> I got the Jonas Brothers fever. Ah. Yeah. Um, by the way, the other thing that was really funny with the Jonas Brothers, mm -hmm. and showed it to me a few days before we went to Vegas for the concert... I guess it was on Comedy Central. There was a Jonas Brothers roast. It was really funny. And uh, who's the dude from SNL who just left? He's dating the Kardashian now. Pete Davidson. Pete, yeah. Pete Davidson 
did a constant running gag throughout the the the, the night as he was the long lost fourth Jonas brother, <laughs> and did all these things. But the funniest part of the night was, uh, what's the kids? What's the youngest brother's name? There's Joe. The most popular. And there's one. Nick. Nick. And then there's the other Nick. one. So <laughs> Nick. <laughs> I'm sorry, the other I'm one. Sure, I'm so sure Nick Jonas that. married. A woman who's about 12 years older than him. Oh, yeah. That really gorgeous woman like from- The uh, Indian celebrity. Uh, from India. Chopra, Prink. Chopra. Yes, yeah. Yeah. yeah what, what, whatever her name Chopra is. Jonas. She's- Chopra Priyanka? Stunning. Stunningly oh, yeah. beautiful. But, and, and super popular in India. But one of the best jokes, like her roast of the brothers was amazing. And she just constantly went back to the fact that you do all know, like- I have more Instagram followers than all three of you combined. I'm like, that's not true. Oh my God, it mm -hmm. is. Like, she's like super globally popular. Yeah. She, like, she and looks then one like. married uh, a Game of Thrones actress. Yes. Yeah, Joe did. He married Sophie, whatever her last name is. Right. And then the other one, like, just married, like, <laughs> Jonas now. The prom queen of the universe and yeah. have, like, three beautiful Kevin, children or something. Kevin, that's his name. <laughs> Kevin Jonas. Yeah. Right. I think he there. writes most of the music. The one who doesn't sing this. I think mm -hmm. he writes most of it. Anyway. Like, I didn't know anything about the joke. I couldn't even name them. All right, what's next? That's Sophie. From Fredo. 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 Keep up the great work, guys. Thank you so much, Fredo. <laughs> Appreciate that, man. All right, what's next? From Josh Becker. A new Thor TV spot came out, and yes. the footage is mostly all new, and it looks so good. It, it does look good. It does. I, I saw it was a short spot again. I, I, I don't follow the TV spots for most of these movies, but... I was just flipping through YouTube this morning when I was eating my breakfast, and it's like, that was right there, so I watch it. Yeah, it does look pretty good. It looks exactly what I think. It's yeah. A, I think they CGI'd a blue robe on Thor, though. Because I think that whole scene, I bet he's naked. Oh, for sure. So I think just for the TV spot, they CGI'd the blue robe on him, but well, we'll see how that goes. All right, what's next? Laura, Laura just did my uh, my John Travolta name. It's uh, Jackson Rainzo now. I'm Jackson Rainzo. Jonathan producer Jackson Rainzo. Rainzo. <laughs> By the way, for those of you who don't know, Laura is producer Jonathan's lovely wife. <clears throat> All right. And What's she's it? Luca Rainzo. So we're the Rainzos now. Aww. We are now the producer Rainzos. All right, what's next? From Elizabeth Harado, sending an almost $20 super chat. Thanks, Elizabeth. Thank you, Elizabeth. Are you caught up on the boys episode five? If so, why is A-Train the worst? I get what he's going through, but dude is still an idiot. And I don't think Maeve is dead. Um, okay. One of the things that I adore about the boys is once you think you have one of the characters completely figured out, there's a new little bit of an angle to them. Like the stuff that a train is trying to do with the neighborhood thing and whatever, all lives matter, all lives matter. I'm like, Oh my God, they do such a good job on this show. Like just when you think you've got them completely figured out, you'll find little moments of empathy. They've even done it with Homelander from time to time, right? Like, I couldn't believe it, but when that scene happened near the beginning of this season, when somebody in the audience yells out at Homelander, hey, Homelander, your Nazi's dead. Like, you, I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, I just felt a little bad for Homelander. Yeah. The most vile, evil character in this thing, but that is something that they do. Even the deep, they, they've had moments with the deep throughout the show. Who's, who is horrible? The deep is a horrible, horrible, horrible person. But they have had several moments in the show where it's like, you feel for him a little bit. And you sometimes think he wants to be a good guy. But I, 
I, it's just it's it's crazy what they're able to do with this show. So yes, I am caught up. Cannot wait for episode six. All right, what's next? From Sam Fisher, but John, I thought you weren't a tattoo guy. Uh, I am. Uh, I am not a, a, a tattoo guy. I'm not cool enough. By the way, it's, that says filthy on there. Uh, I am not a tattoo guy. I, I am not cool enough to pull off, pull off a tattoo. Huh. So for people who are wondering if you guys have been noticing this the last week or so. It is a skull and crossbones with the word filthy underneath it. Uh, that's what's there. Uh, so <clears throat> what this is, like I said, a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> Ann and I went to Vegas for our anniversary. And we walked by a couple of big tattoo shops. And Ann's like, come on, let's get tattoos. I'm like, no, we're not getting tattoos. <laughs> and then we came across this one shop that does like six week or two to three month temporary tattoos so i said she so Anne was like come on let's do this i'm like all right we can do that so i so you're gonna see this on me for a few months and then it'll disappear it just kind of drives home the fact that i am simply not cool enough to actually be able to pull off a tattoo <laughs> it looks great on Anne, but uh but yeah not on me all right what's next from stubble mcshave prediction owen and reva have another confrontation um well, she did hear about Tatooine. I mean, Owen might be the one. Listen, I would love it if Owen's the one to dust her. <laughs> Owen, Owen is like, it's, Owen to me is turning into the hero of the Star Wars saga. Like, he's the man. Like, especially the way he, like, stood up to Obi-Wan, stood up to Reva. He's like, F you. I'm a freaking moisture farmer on Tatooine. You know how hard ass you got to be to do that? I am loving him. I would love it if he's the one that ultimately takes her out. That would actually be interesting. That would be pretty cool. All right, what's next? From Harry. Oh, we did oh, this one already. Two. There we go. Um, oh, that's the second part of the Star Wars question. There we, or Star Trek question, excuse me. Right. City on Edge of Forever, Muck Time, Mirror Mirror, Doomsday Machine, The Trouble with Tribbles, and The Thlonian Web. What else should I check out? By the way, just want to put, I know it's incredibly, incredibly, incredibly stereotypical, easiest thing to say, but Trouble with Tribbles really is the greatest Star Trek episode. I, I still think that is the well, greatest Star Trek episode. To give him an answer, uh, Taste of Armageddon, the Immunity Syndrome, and the Enterprise Incident. There's three more. Ooh. Ooh. And we do have a space seed poster here in, the, in our entryway. So there's that. Oh, yes, we do. do. That's right. All right. What's next? From Casey Mack, one of two. Damn, that Stranger Things part two trailer was fire. It was like a movie trailer. I can't wait for the second part to come out. Yeah. Is there a part two to this? Or is that it? Uh, that seemed very. Is that who's that from? Casey, Casey, Casey Mack. Mack. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was going to say that sounded very definitive. Yeah. yeah um, listen, and of, of course, because just the final two episodes are longer than the Obi-Wan series. Uh, it, they're four over four hours long. The yeah. final two episodes combined. So we still got we got some feature length epic goodness still laying ahead of us. And again, this really, to me, highlights the problem with the Disney Plus shows. Is And we, we talked about this briefly the other day, but it's the fact that. They don't write their shows to have deep, compelling narrative with multiple characters, with 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 some subplots and all that kind of stuff. It's like, okay, this is about Obi-Wan. He's going to rescue Leia. He's going to come home. Six episodes, three hours, four hours and 15 minutes, maybe. Easy peasy, cheapo, ready to go. It's Star Wars. Everybody's going to love it. It doesn't matter if it's quality or not. Meanwhile, you flip on The Boys. Who would ever thought that the freaking The Boys with a man blowing up inside of another man's penis was going to be far more rich storytelling than Obi-Wan. It's, it's crazy. Anyway, all right, what's next? 
From Jay, best cartoon of the 80s. Transformers. Ooh. And Space Battleship Yamato. <clears throat> Robotech Sailor Macross. Yeah. Sailor Moon. Also, possibly Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers, because that's 87? Is that when that was? I don't know. The Disney Afternoon was fire. It was great. All right, what's next? From Sam Fisher. Uh, Geo, odds the leader and Betty Ross are in She-Hulk. Betty Ross? Nil. Mm. Nil. I could see Betty Ross reappearing in the MCU. I, I mean, I could see it. Remember, Mark Ruffalo is the Ed Norton Jr. Bruce Banner. So Liv Tyler is, technically speaking, still his Betty Ross. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And... Since they so sadly and unfortunately abandoned the the Banner and Natasha romance, well, Natasha's dead anyway, so um, I would say there's a pretty good chance of Liv Tyler popping up at some point. But in She-Hulk, no, nah, I don't see that happening. All right, what's next? From Mike's Movie Madness. Hey, John and crew. I can see Craven being a former big game hunter who changed his ways and now lives a simple life, living off nature, only hunting what he needs to survive. That's one way they could do it as well. Yeah. I still kind of like the other idea that he is a predator protector. That it's like, hey, to keep the eco the ecology here in 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 a harmonious balance, I need to go take out those predators. Right. right? There's a, there's been a, a foreign species introduced here. I got to go take it out. I could see that. Or he's now a man living in a cabin in the woods somewhere, just wants a peaceful life, trying to put his violence behind him. That's a common trope they've done many times. Oh, I mean. Was that right? I'm sorry. Sorry. I didn't mean it. I just didn't want to forget this. It, the second part to that was bent, but then the enemy will be poachers or maybe companies who destroy natural environments for their resources. Yeah. I'm going to take yeah. a hard pass. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. If they, if they go that direction with that, I'm probably going to take a hard pass. Well, then it's just like Craven hunting down the CEO of Jimmy John's, right? Yeah. <laughs> for like doing big game hunting. <laughs> Also, Casey Mack just it. said he forgot <clears throat> to take off the one out of two. So oh, it was okay. only a single one. All right. Phew. Okay, what's next? From Billis Batman. Thoughts on the extended cut of No Way Home that's coming to theaters in September? Don't think it's been a main topic yet. Because uh, here's the thing. These extended cut reputting in theaters are abominations. They shouldn't exist. I will give them not one air, one breath of air promotion for those things. I, so no, I, I really don't care. I'm not going to be talking about them. Either you guys think we should be? No, I mean, I'm curious to see what's it. in it, yeah. but I don't care about seeing it. Yeah. Oh, I'm probably going to go. Are you? Yeah. I mean, I got Regal Unlimited. I might as well. well yeah, but go. I mean, there's, yeah. there you go, Report right? back. I will. I will. All right. What's next? From Caden. Could the Ten Rings be a weapon that a variant of Kang made eons ago and when he who remains defeated the rest of the Kangs? I don't think so. I think, th I think there's a connection between a lot of different things, but I don't think Kang is going to be connected to the Ten Rings at all. I, I mean, look, it ain't impossible. I, they could do it, but I'm just saying if they do, I will probably be a little bit surprised. Yeah, Rob? yeah, I, 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 I don't see that connection. I think it's something we don't know yet. They're going to use it to bring in something new. What that is? All right. What's next, Galactus? From Josie Reviews, two years ago yesterday, my theaters reopened, and I started my rewatch extravaganza, starting with two Best Picture winners, Slumdog and La La Land. Which do you like more? Slumdog. I'm a Slumdog guy. I love Slumdog, and, yeah. and it, be, it was my introduction to Dev Patel, uh, who I've just gone on to appreciate in almost everything that he's appeared in ever since. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, don't get, La La Land is great. It, it's a wonderful movie, but yeah, Slumdog 
that that's a real special film to me. I don't know. What do you think? Between well, I love La La Land, but I think Slumdog's more of a meal. You know, mm. I feel more. I've, I I go on more of. Even though I really relate to La La Land, I think that Slumdog Millionaire is a really beautifully done film. I mean, Danny Boyle knocked that out of the park. Yeah, it really. That's did. one for the ages. I'm not a fan of La La Land. I don't like it. Oh, I think it has flashes. Thanks a lot, man. <laughs> Way to bully me. I'm, your opinion's garbage, Rob. All your taste is in your mouth. No, Good. I, I mean, I can no. understand. Taste <laughs> is in your mouth. No, Good you, place for it to be, though. If you, if you like, if you like La La Land, that's great. It's just one of those things when I watch it, I went, huh. There's yeah, moments here. I felt the here. same way. Yeah. Yeah, I know I'm a lot of people don't. But I think Slumdog Millionaire won Best Picture. I mean, it's a beautifully made movie. Yeah, it's, it's a fabulous movie. La La Land did for a second. Yeah, for a second, La La Land won Best Picture. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, I, I, I love Jai Ho. Oh, yeah. oh All right. Jai Ho's great. What's next? From uh, Tamar Muhammad, sending in an almost $20 super chat. Thank you, Tamar. Thank you. Hi, John and crew. Started the Orville a week or two ago, and I can't stop binging it. I really like it. Great storytelling and cast. I'm in the middle of season two. Side note, I think uh, Adrienne uh, Plecky would be great Sue Storm. Yeah. I, mean, I like her. I like her very much. I, she'd be fine as a Sue Storm. You know, what's it called now? Orville New Horizons? New Horizons. They came out with Orville New Horizon with episode one. <clears throat> and I was really impressed with how it really changed the tone of the show. And I mean, the first episode's about suicide. Right. And I was really taken with it. But... Like most of the the other seasons of Orville, I think Orville overall has been a hit and miss show. Like oh, there'll yeah. be an episode I watch and like, man, that's completely forgettable. And then they'll do one. And I'm like, wow, that was like really entertaining. I really liked the first episode of New Horizon. I have not been impressed with what they've done since. They did the the the, the most recent one is like, oh, they get visited by a more advanced now person from somebody from season one. It's like, now we're advanced technology. And like, oh, you're having all these dream things. Like, oh, this is kind of lame. And then what was the second one about again? The second episode? I haven't seen I've only seen the oh, first episode. that's right. Season. It's where they 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 come across uh, a pathogen and like the, the people on the crew start turning into this other species. The species reproduces by spreading a pathogen. And I'm like, okay, well, I've seen this kind of story done in sci-fi a million times. And this isn't really doing it particularly well. So while I thought it got off to a great start, I haven't, mm. I don't love, love it so far. Like right now they're one for three for me with All the right. new episodes, but we'll see. All right. What's next? From TJ Slav Dragon Watson. I can't, uh, I can't quite you. Quit I can't you. quit well, you. I think it meant I can't quit you. You just can't quit us. Isn't that from a movie too? Brokeback Mountain. Broke back? That's yeah, a Brokeback yeah, 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 reference, yeah. right? Can't quit you. All right. What's next? Soul Brother Mac, what if Craven hunts superhumans and aliens? I mean, listen, again, he may consider them to be unnatural for the world. Right. That, like, I mean, that would be cool. I love the idea that he's sitting at home in his cabin and he sees a news clip of, of Venom. It's like, well, that's my next game. Yeah. I mean, that would be bonkers. So, <laughs> I, I mean, I would love it, but I, I don't know. We'll have to see which way they're going to go. Venom with. kills them like right away. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> That's the end of the movie. Roll credits. <laughs> That's it. All right, what's next? From us, um, Mickey Vec. Uh, there's already a canon story about Vader finding out about Luke. It's in the comics. Thank you for that $20 super chat. Thank though. you for that, Mickey. Uh, again, it doesn't matter if it's in the comics. Really, the, uh, as much as they can say that, oh, comics are not canon. The comics have broken canon so many times. Yeah. Now they really, they even don't take the, the, the comics all that seriously anymore. So just because it's in the comics, 
Remember, the novels were supposed to be canon too, and they've broken canon in novels now like at least a dozen times. <laughs> so it, it really doesn't mean anything. Again, it doesn't mean they won't go along with it, but it means they had no way clearly feel any obligation to follow what was in the comic. Yeah. So can, don't, don't have to worry about that. And is that that? That's it. And guys. Wait, wait, wait. Got, sorry, sorry, sorry. I just got, <laughs> I believe I have two member chats. Just let me read them out real quick. Uh, Van Jexter says, can't wait for Anne to reveal to John that she lied and it's actually a permanent tattoo. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's totally temporary, John. Totally temporary. <laughs> Don't worry about this needle. It's fine. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> like, hmm. and Justin Welsh writes, welcome back, John. The Adam Aaron situation reminds me of the shareholder episode from The Office. He can take the bus. He's had his limo ride. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I it, again, it's going to be really interesting to see if the board of directors listens to the shareholders and goes, okay, well, we got to do something about this now. Or if they're just going to reject the shareholders uh, and be completely tone deaf. So I don't know. We'll see what happens there. All right. <clears throat> With that down, guys, that'll do it for today's episode of the John Cabe Show. Thank you so much for being here and making the show part of your day. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in those super chats. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it. And all of us involved with the show, thank you guys so much for your support. Also, quick reminder, guys, that at 3.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, Los Angeles time today, we will be doing a town hall meeting for our director and producer level members of our channel. So if you're one of the members of our channel, make sure you guys come along and join us for that at 3.30. I'm gonna be, we're just going to be talking about all the different stuff about what's going on with the operation and the show and all that kind of stuff. So make sure you guys come and join us for that. All right, guys, I want to thank everybody in the room with me. We got one and the only Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. We've got Chris Carr over there. We've got Ray Aura. And of course, fact checker, uh, Rushin Gajudin, whatever your That's name it. was back there. You got it. Nailed it. John, <laughs> my name's John Campion. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye. <laughs>